Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's seven o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis is out today. It's Brooke Grimsley. It's Matthew Rocchio. It's Randy Carricker, and it's breaking news to literally start the show. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. All right, so uh, so Brooke, what do you got for us? Well, Randy Carricker, this is just coming in right now. Breaking news. According to John Heyman, Sonny Gray and the Cardinals are expected to finalize a deal today via league sources. Are we selling? Oh, oh, oh. Let's no, go, baby. No, no. We got wait, 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 wait. Let's hey, go, wait, Brock, is Randy's mic up? What? Why is there no clapping I on Randy's his, side? I see his camera. But the, yeah, the audio seems to be. Yeah. We're having issues with the audio. Uh, Randy, can you do check one two, check one two, <laughs> check one two, oh, check, oh, check, uh, check, check check one two, check one two, check one two. Sunny Randy, what Sonny happened Gray there? I'm sure. Well, I can't even be sure of this. That Sunny Gray is a hell of a guy. Oh no! I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. First, he may, may not be. I don't know. So your first comment on know. a new signing is he's a good guy. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, um, that's. So how many here. games did the uh, the Cardinals win last year? Seventy-one. Yeah. So I would say with the additions of Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson and Sonny Gray, the Cardinals are they might get themselves back to 500. You know, 81 and 81, right? That's, I think, what we probably have to look forward to. Now, Randy, you know that's nothing that anybody wants to hear after a 91-loss season. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. But that's uh, this is an example of the Cardinals being the smartest guy in the room again. When has Sonny Gray ever pitched at a high level with expectation? And everybody around this organization says the expectations are high. Couldn't handle the expectations in New York, where they expected to win. Was he fine in Oakland? Yes, where they had no expectations. Was he fine in Cincinnati? Yes, expectations aren't extraordinary there. Was he fine in Minnesota? Yes. But this is a guy that with the pressure on has not pitched well, whether it's the venue or the time of year. And... With all due respect to the Cardinals, who uh, have apparently a lot of money to waste, this is not the kind of move that puts a team over the top. This is a waste of money move. This is a move where if you're the Cubs, you laugh. You say, okay, we've got Justin Steele, and they're going to pitch Sonny Gray against Justin Steele? (laughs) That's what they're going to do. And let's add this. The Cardinals still haven't done anything to fix their bullpen. Oh, 
yeah, that might be an issue because, yeah. Randy, what happened with the bullpen last season with the Cardinals? Yeah, it was not great. And, and Brooke, this probably taps the Cardinals out financially. They probably had 12 or $13 million to spend, maybe a little bit more than that. Sonny Gray isn't signing for less than that. So are the Cardinal, do the Cardinals have another bold move to help fix their bullpen? Yeah. Does, uh, does anybody turn, uh, as Tony LaRusso used to say, about a player that w- w- stepped up at big time? You got a stomach. You got a stomach. Does Sonny Gray, does anybody have the ability to give Sonny Gray a stomach? Or is Sonny Gray the lion in the Wizard of Oz? Uh, I say this with all due respect because I'm sure he's a really <laughs> friendly guy. You know, Randy, sometimes when you say with all due respect after that, that it, it, I don't know. It sounds like so. you might have a personal... Well, no, I, I just I, I want the team to win. Yes, and I, I have I've seen how they won. I was introduced to really good baseball because I I don't remember sixty seven and sixty eight, but I can tell you this: I can tell you that Bob Gibson had a, a great stomach, and you, and you wanted him pitching game one of a playoff or a, a World Series. I can tell you when they got good again. That Joaquin Andujar in 82, you wanted Joaquin Andujar on that mound. You needed Joaquin Andujar on that mound. I can tell you in 85, you wanted either Andujar or Tudor on that mound because they were number ones. They were clear number ones and had established themselves as number ones. And I can tell you this, you get to 2000, you want Daryl Kyle on that mound. You get to 2002, 2004. Why did you not win in 2004? Because Chris Carpenter got hurt. Why did you uh, win in 2006? Because Chris Carpenter was healthy. Why did you win in 2011? Because you had Chris Carpenter. You win with an ace. And the Cardinals, Mm. again, with all due respect to Sonny Gray, who John Heyman reports will sign with the Cardinals today. Uh, Sonny Gray's not an ace. Kyle Gibson at the stage of his career, not an ace. Maybe was, but no. Lance Lynn's not an ace. Uh, Zach Thompson? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he's an ace. But, uh, but Randy, Michaelis, he might grow into it. He's the one guy that has a chance, right? He's the one guy that's not in his mid-30s. Here's another thing. You play a six-month season with the heat of St. Louis, and Sonny Gray's about 190 pounds. Mm-hmm. And it, he'll pitch a lot of games where it's 100 degrees or 110 degrees. Is he going to survive and be fresh for September? Is is he a horse? No, he's not a horse. So I hope the Cardinals get this one right, but I don't think they will. So just to recap here. Uh, the start of our rotation, or our starting rotation right now for the Cardinals, Sonny Gray, mm-hmm. and then your number two. Probably Michaelis. Michaelis, okay. Then Mats. Yep. And then Kyle Gibson, and then Lance Lynn. Yeah, flip-flop. You, you've got you've got a two, and then you've got a bunch of three, four, fives. Exactly. The age is what's concerning to me right now, because mm-hmm. Sonny Gray, as you mentioned, he is 34 years old. Mm-hmm. And as we know, Kyle Gibson... And Lance Lynn, 36 years mm-hmm. old. Miles Michaelis, 35 years old. I think, I think so. Yep. 35 or 34 uh-huh. years old. Yep. Steven Matz, he's not mid-30s. Uh, but he his health would tell you that he's older than but his age would indicate. But he's had the injury yep. history, which is, I think, a big reason mm-hmm. why they went out and got Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. Because what did they want? They want innings eater. They wanted dependability. Mm-hmm. What concerns me is how many pitchers, Randy, in your opinion, continue to get better as they get older, especially when they're in their mid-30s. When I'm in talking the, about you're already at, at okay. 35, 36, and then you get older. So we don't have, like... Performance enhancers that help guys at 38 to start to throw harder? No. I think those are outlawed. Testing for that now? (laughs) I'm going to say none. I'm going to say no pitchers get better at that age. 
That's a giant concern, especially yeah. when you say that these moves were for dependability, dependability mm-hmm. and for innings. That concerns me because that sounds like injuries waiting to happen. Yeah, it really does. And maybe the Cardinals have another trade in them for a potential front of the rotation guy. But right now, Sonny Gray is a nice piece of a rotation. Is he an ace? No. He's an, uh, but Randy, I, he was great in the regular season last he, year, a 2.79 ERA for them. I know. He was really good for Minnesota. But do you want him pitching? Do you, do you, do you want him being the guy that pitches against Zach Wheeler in the first game of a playoff? No. I don't think so. Or yeah. even Aaron Nola in the second game of a playoff. I, with all due respect, I, I know I say that because that means you can say anything about somebody and then still say it. Uh, I, I don't think this is a good move on the part of the Cardinals. No. I, I think it's a waste of money. I think they're they're spending too much money to be 81 and 81. Could there have been a way where they did sign Sonny Gray, but they made some other moves that would make you feel a little bit more comfortable about this starting rotation? Yeah, if they go out and do two things. Number one, get some help on the coaching staff for um, for Dusty, Dusty uh, Springfield. <laughs> get some help. Get, get somebody with some major league experience. And congratulations to the Cardinals for bringing in Daniel Descalso, major mm-hmm. league player. And we're going to talk to Katie Wu later in the show uh, about him and other things. So bring in somebody with some major league experience that a young player can glom onto and say, okay, that is a major league pitcher who's done it in the past. I can listen to him and I can respect him. Uh, bring him in and then make the trade for a, a cease or a uh, a glass now or whomever. Yes, maybe. Randy, a little bit more positive view from Brandon Watson right now on the YouTube chat. Lennon mm-hmm. Gibson can eat innings. You might be down four or five runs, but they're going to get you to the sixth. They will get you to the sixth, yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's that. Yeah. There, there's that. Well, well, it wasn't that a big issue, though, with the starting rotation, well, though, last season, is that, I mean, you felt like the starting rotation just really blew things up. Remember when we talked about how they just really let things go mm-hmm. in the first inning? It was already like they're down four runs, the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And then the bullpen, they could try their best, but the game's already way out of hand at that point. And if you like offense, then the Cardinals are right up your alley because three Cardinal starters were among the top five in hits allowed last year. <laughs> And one of them allowed the most home runs. So you got that going for you, which is nice. If you like offense. Randy, this is so rare, one, that we have breaking news this early in the morning that we're able to get this raw reaction. It's always that, a 10. There, this literally mm-hmm. happened one minute before mm-hmm. we go on air. And we got that raw reaction from you, Randy. I can I can feel the, what is the best way to it's describe angst. it? Angst. Yes, it's angst, yes. The yeah. angst from mm-hmm. you right yeah. now. This early in the morning. I'm yeah. sorry. And we just got back from some time off. Thanksgiving. Hey. You know what? It it's no skin off my nose. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I was uh, I, I was kind of entertained by last year. Yeah. And uh, well, there was like plenty to talk about. There was, and now the Cardinals, to their credit, have signed pitchers. And you know what? Uh, I'll I'll look at it this way. I'm going to go sunshine lollipops, and I'm going to okay. say uh, that in 2017, this would have been a really fun starting rotation. <laughs> 2018. To How is that age? sunshine and lollipops? <laughs> well, it's it's positive spin. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's one Tr- way to look at the it. The Cardinals tradition meets today. They're, t- they're, they're, they're making it literal. <laughs> Can I just say one last thing, too? Because this week, reportedly, and this was going, going to be my take it or leave it, is that Yamamoto was going to start meeting with teams. He was going to start the courting mm-hmm. process. And it felt like maybe there was a lot of Cardinals fans holding out some hope that mm-hmm. maybe the Cardinals would be able to be amongst the suitors in that pool who are trying to court Yamamoto. Now that's completely out of the discussion. And that's disappointing. I felt like there were some other names that the Cardinals were being linked to that were really exciting, that fans were kind of holding on to saying, okay, this will be our one last chance. Okay, yeah, you go get Gibson, you go get Lynn, but you can really seal the deal here with getting one of those top-tier starters that was available in free agency. Or even, Randy, you've been saying this for a long time, Dylan Cease via trade. Now it's very clear that when Moselock said, Pitching, pitching, and more pitching. They have checked all those boxes really quickly this offseason. They have. And they did get pitching, pitching, pitching. They, they went out and got three starters. Nobody can they deny did. that. He, hey, he kept to his word. We, yep. How many times did we give him grief about that this season? That he wouldn't exactly keep to his word and that he would go back on his comments? Randy, he did. He, he did this time he, fulfill those comments. He, he took care of us, no doubt about it. By the way, Sonny Gray last year in his age 33 season did have a career high 184 innings pitched. So he he took the ball for the Twins. So we'll we'll give him credit for that. So John Heyman reporting that the Cardinals will sign Sonny Gray today over the weekend, and we'll talk about this as the show unfolds. Mizzou tramples Arkansas in their regular season finale, 48-14. Congratulations to Eli and the Tigers on a 10 and 2 yes. regular season. Probably on their way to the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. The Blues bounced back from a horrible game on Friday to beat the Blackhawks yesterday by a score of 4-2. to Billikens winners over Dartmouth by a point on Saturday night over at Chaffetz. Mizzou beats Loyola of Maryland. And Illinois, a winner over Western Illinois on Friday night. And uh, the other news from yesterday... Uh, we had, uh, oh, you, you had your Kansas City Chiefs beating the Raiders 31 to, well, maybe, maybe not yours, but the, the Chiefs <laughs> did, uh, did beat the Raiders 31-17, and the Eagles might be the best team in the league. They beat Buffalo in overtime 37-34. to All right, we're off and running here on this edition, a Monday edition of the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Off and running here on 101 ESPN. Taking your mic drops, by the way, on the reported Cardinals signing of Sonny Gray, the great baseball insider John Heyman, saying on X, formerly Twitter, that the Cardinals and Sonny Gray will uh, come to an agreement today on a contract for the free agent late of the Twins to come to St. Louis. So we're going to take your mic drops throughout the course of the show. What do you think of the Cardinals' latest free agent pitcher signing after Lance Lynn and then Kyle Gibson? Here comes Sonny. Sonny's coming home. Yeah. You are so excited. I need everybody to go back and watch that instant reaction because that news broke quite literally right before we went on air. And Randy's raw reaction to that is just pure gold and pain. Well, and it's not that he's bad. He's just not what they need. Yes. They need a number one, and he is... Not a, he's never been a number one. He's not a number one, and the Cardinals don't have a number one, and that's the troubling thing for me because when you start a three-game series against a good team, 
Dodgers are going to have Walker Bueller back. Padres have mm-hmm. Hugh Darvish. Uh, the, the Braves are going to have Spencer Strider. The Marlins are going to have uh, the, the, uh, the, the kid that uh, pitched so well last year. I forget his name. But have pretty much everybody, if the Brewers keep Corbin Burns, the, you know, it's everybody else seems to have that guy. Not everybody, but the good teams all seem to have that guy, and we don't have that guy. Okay, what did you love about the weekend, Brooke? Well, uh, I think that definitely will not make Number it. three. But what I loved about the weekend is a successful homecoming for Eli Drinkwitz. Congratulations to Mizzou. I know we talked about this earlier. Taking care of business or standing on business, as Eli Drinkwitz likes to say, against Arkansas. It's kind of crazy because there's some people out there that says somehow that say somehow that Arkansas is better than Mizzou, even though Mizzou has beaten them? I don't know. That was weird. It was almost like it was a guest we had on recently. Anyways, so specifically, I just wanted to tell this story because I love when hard work pays off. So Eli Drinkwitz was raised in Arkansas, and it was really just a full circle moment for him to get that victory this past weekend because not too long ago, Randy, he was a high school coach in Arkansas. He was the offensive coordinator for Springdale High School's football team, which is not far from outside of Fayetteville, where the Razorbacks do play. And he even interviewed for the head coaching job at Springdale High School, but he didn't even make the cut as a finalist, Randy. But because that door closed, other doors opened up. A few years later, some more opportunities arose and he was able to get some more jobs, which led to him becoming the head coach at Mizzou, building up to this moment where he is celebrating with a victory cigar in Fayetteville and celebrating with what he's built. The first 10-win season for Mizzou since 2014. I just really love full-circle moments like that. And it just shows you just because one door closes, you have no idea what other opportunities can really open up to you. It's pretty amazing what Mizzou has been able to get with Eli Drinkwitz. And I always threw, threw that first, the COVID season out. Yeah. Uh, because I, you know, it just... It wasn't a real season. So this is essentially his third season at Mizzou, and they've allowed him to build the program, and he has good players. And I love the fact that his staff is coaching guys up. Brady Cook's not a five-star quarterback. They don't have a five-star running back. They don't have any five-star offensive linemen. Darius Robinson isn't a five-star guy. I mean, they're they're coaching players up, which I think is really cool. Exactly. I, I love it. Uh, Brooke, my number three is seeing the best that college football has to offer. Uh, you know what? Uh, each be- of the big-time rivalry games was compelling. Michigan beating Ohio State, but Ohio State having a chance near the end. And Michigan winning for the third straight time with Jim Harbaugh under suspension and watching at home. Auburn, Alabama was unbelievable, obviously. Kentucky beating Louisville. The college game is great, and I think you can make the argument that is as compelling as the, the product is in the National Football League that the college game at its highest level is even better. Oh, I love Rivalry Weekend. That is my absolute favorite. I don't think the NFL can beat that in any way. Other than the Super Bowl, if it's a really, really good mm-hmm. matchup that you really want to see those teams go head-to-head. But I just think that college football... it. It's so unique in the way that I love the rivalries that are built up that have been going on for, I mean, so long. Many generations affected by that. And the product is great. I think better than the NFL this year. Honestly, I would rather watch college football this year specifically. And I'm a big NFL fan, other than, obviously, Mm -hmm. everything that we've talked about with the owners and stuff. But... I honestly think that college football has been way more exciting this year than the NFL by a long shot. And 
I just think the officiating, maybe because they don't make as many calls, the officiating in college football where officiating doesn't take over the game as much is better. It's it's better for the game. Number two. Well, you know how I was just telling the story about Eli Drinkwitz going from high school coach in Arkansas to working his way to being the head coach of Mizzou. I love stories like that, and I like when hard work pays off. And I think that Jake Neighbors is the epitome of that. The way that he was able to really climb the ladder of the depth chart, and it paid off in these past two games. We don't have to talk about that Nashville game. We just want to forget that that happened, okay? Because that was awful. But either way, Jake Neighbors, the way that he's been able to move up and really take on that top six role, specifically moving up to the top line with Robert Thomas and Pablo Buchanevich. Obviously, he was able to get two goals against the Blackhawks. I just think that Jake Neighbors is a very exciting young player, and he even calls himself a throwback player, which is very interesting to hear from a 21-year-old when he says that. But then you see that where he really wins the board battles. He's physical. The way that he's able to really bring things offensively here as of late, I think that that's great to see him and his hard work pay off. Yeah, he... uh... I don't know if ultimately he'll land himself a spot on the top line on a regular basis, but I think, as Jamie Rivers put it last week, I think he's capable of being a middle, a really valuable middle six guy yes. for a long time. I agree. I, I think he has a chance to be great. Yeah, Brooke, one of the great things about sports is that it brings us together. Maybe the best thing about sports is that it brings us together. I'm sitting in a sports bar for 4th and 31 on oh. Saturday, <laughs> and... It's not like people in St. Louis have a huge rooting interest in Alabama no. or Auburn, right? But everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows that Jalen Milrow just made that horrible mistake of throwing the, the pass over the line of scrimmage. So you have an illegal forward pass setting up fourth and 31. And everybody is watching the screens. And then you know what happens when fourth and 31 is converted. Oh, you know, the whole place <laughs> yeah. explodes. It's one of the things that I love most about sports and I loved about this weekend is I was in the right place at the right time with a bunch of other sports fans that just went, ah, <laughs> when that play occurred. Because you just like to see just crazy moments like that, right? Because I don't think many people here maybe have a rooting interest, as you mentioned, in Alabama and Auburn. But still, I mean, it's really just interesting to see those moments that you can share with people because it's just a great sports moment. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's what it's what it's all about. It is. Number one. So my number one is going to be my parents coming into town. Hey! Yes. Is it, it was so exciting to have them here. They're huge fans of the show. They listen every single morning. They are dedicated fans and listen and love listening to our show, to you, Randy, and Carrie, and Rockio as well. They always like to come, and when they come in, they ask a bunch of questions of what you guys are like. And I'm like, oh, they're fantastic, of course. Um, but it was just so great having my parents in town for Thanksgiving. It's been hard over the years in TV. I've typically worked on mm-hmm. holidays, so it's been very rare in probably my entire career in TV to actually spend holidays with my family. And so it was just really nice to have that moment. And I'm slowly converting them into St. Louisans, guys. All right. So their first time coming up here, they had Ted Drews. This last time, they had T-Raps for the first time. Oh, I like yes. it. And they loved it. So next on our list for when they come back up is going to be Emo's Pizza. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how they react to Emo's Pizza. Are we you intrigued? We tried to describe it in the best way possible, and they were a little confused. I feel like, have you ever described to somebody what Emo's Pizza is like? It's difficult. It is. Isn't it? Yeah. Because people call it a cracker, and it's not really a cracker. No. But it's uh, it's it's just glorious. I don't I don't know that you can you can really describe it. You have to experience it. I found explaining to a lot of people that you'd be surprised how many 
cities have ran, have like a really like kind of like a crazy like thin crust regional pizza. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not like a sh- like a shocking thing. Like everyone different. I run into, it's the Provel. You got to m- mention it. For me, like everyone's yeah. always like, you got to mention how the, the cracker crust. I'm like, that's not the that's not the wild card pitch you're throwing at most people. It's the Provel cheese. Yeah, that's it's just like it's kind of like for. a different type of thin crust. Yeah, kind of flaky ish. Mm-hmm. But not yeah. like flaky, flaky. I don't, you see, look, I'm already doing a terrible job trying it's to describe. Yeah. This is how I. This is how I sounded trying to describe it to my parents. I was like, I don't know. You just have to try it. So we've been easing them into it. So and then gooey butter cake will be the next thing. I like it, uh, Brooke. My number one is seeing Missouri do what they did the other night. And we have a tendency, I think, to look at Mizzou, and I, I do at least. I think sometimes the program gets maxed out because they've never won a championship, and I don't expect them to win a championship. But I think we also need to look at the SEC because a lot of people, you can tell me, Tennessee people don't think Mizzou should be in the SEC because they aren't good enough, right? Well, since Missouri entered the SEC, they have more 10-win seasons than Mississippi State and Texas A&M and Vanderbilt and Kentucky combined. So... Yes, Missouri does deserve to be in the SEC. And when the program is at its best, it can compete with everybody. Now, yes. they, they they competed with Georgia. They competed with LSU. They had every opportunity to win those games. Are they going to get to that point where they're a 12-0 team at the end of the season? Maybe, maybe not. But it's really cool to see Missouri continue to do things that the rest of the SEC hates, and that's win against them. And I just like, like the, the Arkansas guy that we had on last week, John. What's his last John name? John Neighbors. John Neighbors, yeah. He, he just hates the idea that Missouri can be better than his program. And, it, and I love that, though, because I think that Eli Drinkwitz has really embraced that mentality mm-hmm. of being the team that maybe a lot of people underestimated. I mean, what was it? Uh, you know, the SEC media day polls. Remember, they always do that before the season starts. I think Mizzou was picked to finish second to last in yeah, the SEC they were. East. Only Vandy. Right above Vanderbilt. Yep. So that just shows you really the public perception or the outside perception of Mizzou. And I like that Eli Drinkwitz has really embraced that hatred. And I mean, you know what? When you have 10 wins, you can do all the talking you want. Yep. You're America's team. Exactly. <laughs> But when you have 10 wins, you don't feel the need to wear a Darth Vader costume and bring a lightsaber to the press conference. <laughs> That's the important thing is you don't need to. And he didn't do that You this can get season. away with it, but you don't feel the need to do oh, it. That's yes. the balance. So, That's yes. the balance. And to, to add to that statistic about 10 win seasons, since 2013, LSU has two 10 win seasons. So does Florida. So, so does Auburn. So does Ole Miss. Okay. Uh, Tennessee, South Carolina, Mississippi State have won double-digit regular season games once since 2013. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, A&M, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt have not done so. So uh, that's regular season wins. Kentucky obviously has won 10 games, but that includes a bowl game. So Missouri, if you look at the, until next year, 14-team SEC, has as many 10-win seasons at, or more than LSU, Florida, Auburn, Ole Miss, uh, Tennessee, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Vandy. That's 11 of the other 13 teams. Georgia and Alabama are the teams that have more 10-win regular seasons than Missouri. Those are the only ones in the entire conference. Mm-hmm.
So pretty good. And that includes the Barry Odom era, by the way. Oh, wait, that they happened. Lost, they lost to Middle Tennessee State, I think, on a homecoming game. Yes. It was not great for them. No, I remember that. Uh, I bet you do. <laughs> uh, that's Brooke. I'm Randy. Carey will be back with us tomorrow. He, he took the Denver tour yesterday, went to the Broncos game, went to the Nuggets game. I hope he had a great time. He'll tell us all about it tomorrow. Coming up, it was a wacky day in the National Football League. We've got NFL Four Downs Plus coming up at 8 o'clock. More on the Cardinals' reported signing of Sonny Gray today. We're going to take your mic drops via the 101 ESPN app. We're also going to obviously take your texts uh, when we get back to the top of the hour at 8 o'clock here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It was another wild day in the NFL, and it's time for four downs. First down. As first down. Well, I know we don't like to talk about the Rams on this show specifically in a good light, but I do want to highlight... He's dead to me. Yes. He is. Go ahead. (laughs) So now I'm going to talk about something positive about the Rams, but just specifically a local product Mm -hmm. in Kyron Williams. The Viani kid was able to do fantastic this past weekend for the Rams. He was dealing with an injury for four games, and he was able to come back... And in that Rams 37 to 14 victory, Randy, over the Cardinals, which I know it is the Cardinals, after missing four games, he collected 204 total yards, 143 of which came from the ground, and he caught six passes for 61 yards and two touchdowns. So I always like to highlight when a local product does really well. Congratulations to Kyron Williams on a great game back after injury. Good for him. In every St. Louis Bowl, I root for the Cardinals over the Rams. Mm -hmm. And so I was rooting for the Cardinals yesterday, and I'm I'm disappointed that they couldn't put up a better fight with their little tiny quarterback. (laughs) A wee little lad. He is a wee little lad. Yeah, he's, uh, what, do, what do you think? He's probably, what, 5'8"? And... You know that they probably don't accurately put his height on there, no, right? So uh, what, are they, what do you think that they say? I think he's listed at 5'10", maybe 5'11". Okay. He's probably 5'8". 
Let's see. He looks like he would be 5'8", five, 5'9", five, to yeah. me. It yeah. says that he's 5'10". Okay, he's 5'8". Yeah. Maybe 5'7 and a half. <laughs> You're yeah. saying they're lying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The Rams, when they were here, Charlie Army would not allow a player to be listed at less than six feet. No, 5'11", I guess was his cutoff. And London Fletcher went to the PR department and said, hey, wh- why are you listing me at 5'11"? They said, well, our- Charlie says that we have to. He says, I'm 5'9". Put me down to 5'9". So London wanted to be listed at his actual height. But otherwise, yeah, the rest of sports lies. Why? Because they want their guys to no, be No, but I'm just saying, bigger. like, why it's- would he want to not accurately put the players' heights on there? Well, because he wanted them to... Th- People to think that they were bigger than they really are. Oh, it's a big man's game. No, it's not. Marshall Falk is like five seven and a half. You no, know, five eight, maybe five nine. But I will say, I think it matters when it comes yeah. to your quarterback. Second down. Uh, Brooke, the Jacksonville Jaguars are tied for the best record in the AFC for teams that have played in eleven games. They're eight and three. They're top eleven in offense and defense. They're five and zero oh on the road after yesterday's win at Houston. They're four and one in the division. And they have a playoff win under their belt last year. A big come-from-behind playoff win over the Chargers. Former St. Louis Rams season ticket holder, Shad Khan, is the owner. Former Cardinal president, Mark Lamping, is their president. And they've got it going in Jacksonville. Wouldn't surprise me if they did some damage in the playoffs. They have a lot of good players. Travis Etienne has figured things out on the ground. Lawrence looks terrific. And their defense is playing better and better as as well as a defense can play these days in the NFL. I'm really intrigued by what Jacksonville might be capable of come playoff time. I I am too, which is weird to say for the mm-hmm. AFC South, but I don't know. I'm very impressed by Trevor Lawrence. I know that they, they've hit some bumps in the road here recently, but still, I think that there's a high upside with him and what they're yeah. building in Jacksonville. And they've won seven of eight now. And yeah. they, they don't have a bad schedule down the stretch. There was a point in time yesterday where they actually were the number one seed in the AFC. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Third down. Maybe changing coaches can be positive? Really? Really? (laughs) Question mark? Oh, Carrie's going to get so mad about this. Carrie, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but we have to talk about this, okay? Life after Matt, Matt Canada seems to be suiting the Steelers well. Now, I know it wasn't an exciting victory when you talk about 16 to 10, but still, Pittsburgh recorded 400 plus yards for the first time since 2020, Randy. Oh, man. Won the world wow. and outgained an opponent for the first time all season. I think that maybe, just maybe, a change was needed for the Steelers. And now. Kenny Pickett may not be the long-term answer for the Steelers, but still, I think that it looked like a difference for the Steelers' offense, and that's what you needed to see. Something was holding them back, and sometimes you do have to bring a different voice in there. You have to make some changes to figure that out, which also plays into the other change that was made. Mm -hmm. As we know, Ken Dorsey gone from the Bills as their offensive coordinator, and Josh Allen looks good. He looks so much more confident, and I know that they lost in overtime, and I know that there's something that a morning show host in a show that we were that we have going on before us finds a way to really pick apart mm-hmm. Allen, and I know that he had an interception, but Randy, doesn't Josh Allen look like the quarterback that we were expecting to see all season? And if anything, in this matchup against one of the best teams in the NFL that we saw last night in the Eagles, 
Josh Allen was the reason that they were able to go toe-to-toe with them, not the reason that they lost. And I thought that this was really interesting. I don't know if you saw this tweet by James Palmer, who is an NFL insider. Mm-hmm. He mentioned that Jordan Mailata said on the game-winning touchdown that he couldn't believe the Bills gave them that look. That play is a staple within their offense. And when they saw that safety move, they knew that Jalen wow. would score. That sounds like malpractice, not on Josh Allen's part. Yep but on somebody else's defensively. And I know they've dealt with some injuries, and so they're a little beaten up. But still, Josh Allen is not the reason that they lost that game. Exactly. And Sean McDermott is running and calling the defense, and he's got a lot on his plate right now. But you get, and I I apologize because it's 740 on a Monday morning, but Pittsburgh and Buffalo needed and received offensive enemas. And it looks like that's what has occurred. Of enemas. Yeah, they, 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 Randy. yeah I like it. They, they were just all blocked up. They were all blocked up, and now it's just all flowing. You're saying they got Miralax? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, not just yeah. in a lot yeah. of different cases, even maybe for an NFL yep. offense, what does XLAC make you do? Mm-hmm. Go, 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 go. Okay. Yeah. Just saying. Also, uh, if, if you want, if, I love that point from Jordan Mylotta. And if you actually, uh, a great breakdown, Benjamin Solak, S O L A K on Twitter, actually broke down how multiple teams have showed that zero blitz to the Eagles, and the Eagles have burned them for on the QB draw every single time. They, they, they beat the Chiefs with it once, they beat the Bears with it for an egregious, like 45 yarder last year. It's on tape, and it, mm-hmm. it's truly egregious that the Bills showed them that. I mean, like the fact that if Solak can, an hour after the game, have multiple clips from when it happened earlier, that's a bad sign. That is. Fourth down. All right, Brooke, you mentioned the show before ours, Unsportsmanlike, with Canty and Evan and Michelle. (laughs) I knew this was coming. And I I heard on that show that, uh, quote, Brett Favre won a Super Bowl and Josh Allen hasn't. Okay. Uh, this is not MMA, okay? This is not boxing. This is not not tennis. Josh Allen has not won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. When Brett Favre's Packers did win the Super Bowl after the 1996 season, the team, the team, the Packers, had one of the top five defensive players in Reggie White of all time. All time. And there's a, that iconic photo of Reggie White running around with the Lombardi Trophy. Brett Favre didn't win it himself. Reggie White got to hold it, too. Desmond Howard was the MVP of that Super Bowl for his kick-returning acumen and ability. He got to run around with It wasn't just Favre that got to run around with the Lombardi Trophy. Packers that year had another Hall of Fame defender in Leroy Butler, who was great for his career. Uh, They had a guy who will be a Hall of Fame coach in Mike Holmgren. And here's the kicker. With Dorsey Levins and Edgar Bennett at a great offensive line, Favre ran the ball 49 times in 16 games. He didn't have to be the running back. Allen has to be the main weapon in the passing game and the running game for the Bills. And they took the best team in the NFL to overtime yesterday, despite missing arguably their two best defensive players in Milano yes. and Travis, Tavarius White. Spare me the quarterback won the Super Bowl. Yes, you need a great quarterback, but does a quarterback win it himself? No. Let's talk about teams winning Super Bowls that happen to have great quarterbacks. By the way, Evan Cohen, love you, okay? I know Michelle says great things about you. Yes. Are you going to denigrate Dan Marino because he never won a Super Bowl? <laughs> Was Dan Marino bad? 
that's a, yes, I, I think that that's a point that might need to be brought up yeah. with him. It seems like he has it out for Josh Allen specifically. And I understand the turnovers have been an issue with Josh Allen. But if you just look since this change with Ken Dorsey leaving, and I, I get it. I know that Kerry, if he was here, he would say you can't scapegoat the coaches, that it is on the player execute. But Randy, does this not look like the Josh Allen that we were expecting to see going into the season? He looks so much more yeah. confident and poised and sure of himself and what he's doing. And like you said, the whole reason they were able to even compete with the Eagles, one of the best teams in the league, if not the best, is because of him. No doubt about it. And it has he made mistakes that have cost them games in the past? Yes. But when you have a quarterback like that, that's to be expected at times. But the risk reward is so worth it with the rewards that you get with a guy like Josh Allen. Exactly. You're, for, you're forgetting he was playing safety on that Chiefs drive. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point. Yeah, he's the one that gave it away. Yeah. They knew. Uh, by the way, and again, it is the whole team. But let's uh, let's just take a look at Josh Allen, if we're going to do this, if we're going to say he has never won a Super Bowl. Okay? I'll say that. But he has gone... 10 and 6, 13 and 3, 11 and 6, 13 and 3, and now is 6 and 5. If we're going to say that he has never won a Super Bowl, then we also have to say that he has four consecutive double digit win seasons. There you go. Which I think most teams would be happy with. Yes. That is four downs from the NFL on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Teoli, and then at the top of the hour, we want your mic drops and your texts. John Heyman reporting that the Cardinals are expected to come to an agreement with former Twins and A's and Reds and uh, Yankees pitcher Sonny Gray today to be their number one pitcher. Oh, we got Randy. Oh, that's not a positive clap. Randy? No, not the slow clap for Sonny. Yeah. Sunshine lollipops. Um, I'm having difficulty finding the sunshine lollipops. But get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. yo Because take it or leave it is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Ranty. <laughs> Matthew Rocchio, Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. Uh, these guys. You guys. Randy. <laughs> I don't even know how I can fit into this room with your ego being so big, supposedly. I couldn't get through that door this morning. I had to tilt my head because of my ego. 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho. Okay, take it or leave it. Matthew and Brooke. Okay. Sonny Gray makes me look really bad and throws 200 innings, wins 18 games, and wins game one of a playoff series oh. for the NL Central Division champions. Cardinals. Ooh. <laughs> 18 I, games and I, I would love to take it. I want to be sunshine and lollipops, but I'm going to have to leave it. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about things right now. I'm still trying to get over this. Sonny Gray. John Amon saying, supposed to uh, side with the Cardinals today. 
Uh, and this will be it, by the way. Yes. This will uh, this will conclude our regularly scheduled programming of signing starting pitchers. Yamamoto ain't coming, okay? Uh, Yoshi, is that his first name? Yes. Yoshi ain't walking through that door. <laughs> I wish. Because yeah. there were reports that Yamamoto would be starting his courting session, mm-hmm. as I like to call it, and I was hoping that maybe the Cardinals would at least be in the pool of suitors for him, mm-hmm. because why not? Why not? They don't I've... want to swim there in that pool. <sighs> But it's why gonna be, not? It's going to be like $230 million, Brooke. Yes, with but the if you were going to, I know that it's not in the Cardinals' DNA to go out and do that, especially no. in free agency. But at the same time, if you are going to do something different, why not with Yamamoto? 25 years old. That is somebody where you can make sense of a long term mm-hmm. contract like he's expecting. Why not? Because they just don't want to spend that kind of money. That's and he's friends with to. Lars, which is huge. That is. That's a monstrous thing. Here's the thing. I I truly think there's a couple of things. Well, we'll, let's just do this segment, and and we'll talk about it at 8, because there's something that I want to... You want me to just say it now? I'll I'll do it in 30 seconds. Okay, do it. I think the Cardinals still think they have Dave Duncan magic, and that they can turn, like... Uh, this, these guys into Jeff Supon or Kent Bottenfield or uh, Jeff Weaver in World Series games. They don't have Dave Duncan magic anymore, mm-hmm. but it seems like they think they do. That's the, the impression I get. Do you also think that maybe with some of these moves, being veteran guys, guys that they necessarily wouldn't need help from a pitching coach. I'm sure that maybe there's little things to tweak, but maybe that this also is part of the decision where they realize that they wouldn't have somebody who would kind of help develop a pitcher on their staff. So they have to go and get guys who already know their stuff. I would hope that would be the case. But I think exhibit A for us uh, and a word of warning should be that Lance Lynn was the worst starting pitcher in baseball with the White Sox. When, and the Dodgers figured out what was wrong with him with his pitch selection, and the Dodgers fixed him. He didn't fix himself. Mm-hmm. There's so much we will have to dive in. I also can't wait for the mic drops on this. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. And that. also to hear what BK says later, because I know that BK is probably already fired up. He's probably listening right now, and he's already thinking of his rebuttal for you, Randy, and then we're going to have fine. to play that back it's, tomorrow if, morning. Uh, again, I will ask the same question of BK that I'm asking here. And BK works hard and knows his stuff, okay? But I would ask him this. Have you ever thought of Sonny Gray as a number one starting pitcher? I don't think that he disagrees with that at all. No. And that's what the Cardinals are signing him to be, is a number one starter. That ain't going to happen. I mean, uh, unless he changes his stripes dramatically at the age of 34, Sonny Gray, unless they have some magic elixir to turn him into a number one, I don't see it happening because I've never seen it happen before. No. Teach him a knuckleball. Well, I'm going to kind of change my take it or leave it. (laughs) I'm going to kind of change my take it or leave it because going into today, I was prepared to say that maybe the Cardinals take it or leave it would be a part of the conversation for Yamamoto because I was holding out hope that maybe with signing Lynn and Gibson that they would say, okay, well, we have to go out and get that top tier starting pitcher to really secure the starting rotation. Obviously, we know that that is not going to be the case. I think everybody needs to understand that this is it for the starting rotation, as you said, Randy. So take it or leave it. Yamamoto will go to the Cubs. Ooh, I'm going to leave it, Brooke, but I think it, it, that's a really compelling... I think that they will be they're gonna in be the, in the conversation. Yeah. Yep. But I think he's a Coast guy. I think he's either a Dodger or a Yankee. I think that it should be at least encouraging for Cubs fans, and I hate to say this, but they're making some aggressive moves. They're being aggressive this offseason. I at least wanted the Cardinals to do just well, a smidge of that. And the Cubs have that history with Suzuki and Wright, and they, yes. they had Fukudome back that they signed. One. By the way, one of the all-time great T-shirts 
was Fukudome with the Cubs. On the front of it, it said it, it was the, the first part of his name, F-U-K-U, <laughs> and then on the back it was D-O-M-E. I love that. <laughs> I need to get one of those. Fukudome, yeah, he was. F-U-K-O-D-O-M-E. Take it or leave it. A trade for Dylan Cease is still in the cards. I'm going to leave oh, it. Oh, I'm going to leave it. That's it. Because this is something else that we're going to discuss at 8. Now it makes more sense when Mosellock said in the conversation was that, that was last week. It feels like two mm-hmm. weeks ago. I'm sorry. But last week, when after they talked about the Gibbs, Gibson and Lynn signing, that they weren't that deep into trade talks. Now this all makes sense. And now they have to spend their remaining money if they have money left, substantial money. They have to get, they have to get a bullpen. They do. <laughs> that's that's still an issue. Yeah, I mean, starting it, pitching was one, Helsley and then bullpen was one yeah. A. Hell's your Helsley is your closer. What about the day after he pitches? The, mm-hmm. What what do you do for a closer that day? Yes. Right, and you've got Gallegos. Okay, he's going to be there. Mats or Thompson is going to wind up in the bullpen now, right? Mm-hmm. One of those guys. Uh, is Palante on the team? Uh, is uh, supposedly he's John, working on things this offseason. John King is he on the team? I mean, they've got guys down there, but I don't know that I'd want to try to win a division title with the group they have down there. Jojo Romero. Yo yo. Yeah. Take it or leave it. This Mizzou Tigers team is better than the Chase Daniel led teams. Oh leave wow. It. Yeah. You 07's, leave 07's it. the pinnacle. Yeah. Okay. 07's number one. Yeah. With a bullet still you in my mind. You had Daniel. You had. Jeremy, who was a first-round pick, you had such a great defensive Denario line. Mario would have been a higher pick if his knees yeah. aren't bad. Yeah, Sean was... Weatherspoon's a first-rounder. Willie Moses, second-rounder. Yeah, Ziggy Hood's running a, back on that Ziggy team? Hood's a first-rounder. Tony was Temple it... busted off yeah, yeah. 200 yards in the Cotton Bowl against right. Arkansas. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you there. Yeah, that uh, take it or leave it. Jake Neighbors puts up over 20 goals this year. Leave it. Ooh. But I'm going to say he gets between 15 and 20. Yes, I can see that. He's already surpassed his career high. So can I read this one text? Sure. Yes. Hi, Go one. ahead. I have a feeling. From the 573. Oh, no. So I have to finally say something. Oh, this show no. used to be a daily thing for me, but Randy's ego is extremely large. He thinks he knows everything. I do. Uh, he <laughs> thinks he's funny. I am. It's annoying beyond all get out. Rockio is annoying and a show killer. And the other two on the show, well, let's just say it's obvious radio isn't their calling. Randy can get over himself. He's nothing special. I am. And no better than the rest of us. This show needs to be canceled. <laughs> And then Rockio says, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate the criticism. He, he apparently didn't think I was being sincere. Yeah. Yeah, of course we're being sincere. We're totally sincere. What the heck, man? I, I love being referred to the other. The other, you know? yeah, the other people. That, that other thing yeah. that's on that show. It. You can just refer to me as it on that show. <laughs> Get it off the air. So we really do appreciate your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line. 314-399-9646. Yo. Yo! I never would have thought that the YouTube chat would be... Like they're 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 more negative, but they're being more positive in that like they're not mad at us for being negative. We're getting a lot of textures calling us negative and pessimistic, and you know me, I I just argue it's realism, it is. as I always do. We're being realistic. <laughs> Together, I think it's Whack. swell. I, I think it's just swell what the Cardinals have done. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that killed me. Uh, Matthew, you got one more you want to run? 
No, we're good. Okay, we're good. Thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, John Heyman reporting that the Cardinals are expected to reach agreement with Sonny Gray on a contract today. I don't know. Maybe maybe Sonny Gray will be kind of like uh, like uh, Mark Stoops at Texas A&M. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, your take on the Cardinals' apparent preparation to sign Sonny Gray. Next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. The way we were approaching it is is we knew we need innings. And if we were just to go out and sign one good pitcher that was exciting, then where do we go to backfill? And some of the timing of, of this necessarily wouldn't go with us being patient. So to get two guys that, you know, almost collectively had an aggregate of 200 innings last year pitched, had we not acted on this this week, they're probably not here tomorrow. Whereas some of the upper end pitchers are still out in the market. That's Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mosaylock, last week on the heels of the Cardinals signing Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. Now they're reportedly set to sign Sonny Gray today. We're going to talk to Katie Wu, by the way, about this and other things later on in the show. Chris Kerber is coming up, but right now we want to hear from you. It's Brooke, it's Matthew, and it's Randy here on 101 ESPN. And there's there's a lot that goes into this. I wonder how much, when he talks about being patient, competition from a franchise like the Twins or the Braves played into this. I wonder if Gray said, look, I need a, I need an answer and I need an, I need an offer and I need an answer because I want to get this done now. Because you don't want to be that, that pitcher and he, he wasn't going to be, but you don't want to be that one who's still standing when there are no chairs left. Yes, and that's the thing that I understand with the Cardinals when he's talking about timing and making sure that you're not being left behind in this conversation. But at the same time, this starting rotation is very concerning going into next season. And Randy, I know that you were really concerned too about the bullpen because that's something that has to be addressed here. But this texter, my favorite text of the day, other than the person yep. calling me other, is from the 314. <laughs> they said, did you miss the Cardinals re-sign Wilking Rodriguez? So the bullpen is set. Randy, you don't have to worry about anything. I had completely missed that. Was that over the holiday weekend? It was five days ago, yes. Okay, so I missed it, and I apologize, because you, Texter, from what area code do you have? 314. 314. Uh, You're 100% correct. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have a healthy Wilking Rodriguez. I mean, you might as well have signed Mariano Rivera in his prime. (laughs) I mean, the Cardinals lost 91 games last year. Why did they lose 91 games? World Baseball Classic and Wilking Rodriguez getting hurt. <laughs> that was, and it's really hard to differentiate between the two, honestly, of which was of more importance that was de- devastating to the Cardinals mm-hmm. yeah, last there, season. There, there was it a was a lot of devastation there. <laughs> there. It was really hard to tell between the two. And going back, though, to the whole Sunny Gray situation, one, your reaction at the beginning of the show this morning, I think, was just really telling of where a lot of people feel. We keep getting a lot of text in where people have pointed out that Sunny Gray 
while he could be a number two, I think it's very clear that he's not your ace. And that was what was missing. So you go out and you sign Lance Lynn and you sign Kyle Gibson. I still think, and nothing against either one of them, I just still think that I could have gone with one but not the other. Like you could have signed a Kyle Gibson and maybe go out and make some other moves. Mm-hmm. Or you could have signed a Lance Lynn and go out and make some other moves. Now it felt like after the Lynn and Gibson signing, you already knew the can- uh, Cardinals were kind of handicapped in their abilities of what they were going to be able to go out and spend, while you still knew that an ace, a ace was needed for the starting rotation to be competitive for next season. I know nothing's guaranteed, no. but still, that was needed this offseason. And to the Cardinals' credit now, they have what I believe are at least six major league starting pitchers. With Gray, Gibson, Lynn, Michaelis, Mats, Thompson, you've got six. So somebody that you would think is a starting pitcher is going to wind up in the bullpen. That's not a bad thing. The the depth part of it doesn't bother me. No. The quality. I, 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 I'm yes. good with the quantity. I just wanted higher quality on the front end. And like Mo said in that cut, maybe the Cardinals just couldn't afford it. Maybe the Cardinals just couldn't go there and, and get everything that they needed. So they're going to take their chances on somebody being better than they've ever been before. But that's not the proper response that people were expecting, or I think that even the Cardinals fans deserved after a season like that you just had. I think that people were thinking, okay, this was a season that you would hope would be an outlier. Now go make some aggressive moves. You saw what other teams... I'm not expecting them to go out and spend money like the Rangers did. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it worked out for the Rangers where you win the World Series, so maybe there's some proof in that. But still, I was hoping that the Cardinals would be a little bit more aggressive. This is my concern, and this is just my very first initial reactions. The past few seasons, what have been the issues for the Cardinals when it comes to their approach to the offseason? It seems like they kind of really laser focus early on and say, okay, look at last season. We're going to go get a catcher. And they didn't really address any of the other Mm -hmm. needs. Is this another offseason where you're kind of doing the same thing where, yes, you went out and get got pitching, pitching, and more pitching, but you were so kind of laser focused on the quantity rather than the quality that that could be an oversight in the long run. It definitely could. But there's still a long way to go in terms of making these guys better because they're not like the Cardinals. You know, they, they talked about changing the philosophy to swing and miss too, right? But there's not a ton of swing. And, it's better than it yes. was. But your defense needs to be better than it was. That's my point. Let's get to, to a couple of mic drops. David joins us here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. If everything's isolated, I love the Sonny Gray signing. I think he's a great pitcher. I think he's a great fit. It seems great to me. The problem is in the larger context, the rotation still is very eh. If that, I think the Cardinals needed some guys with higher upside. And I think Gray fits perfectly in the rotation. It's just the rest of it is. uh. And so hopefully there's another move coming, because if not, yeah, we're headed towards another rough season. I agree with you. I, I like the way that he said that. I like the eh, because yeah, that's that's, that's kind of how you felt. Like, it's not, it's not, the Sonny Gray signing is not terrible. It's just eh. It didn't feel like it really completes this puzzle that you were expecting for the Cardinals this offseason when it comes to getting starting pitching or at least being in the conversations for that top tier starting pitcher that was out there. I mean, Blake Snell in some categories was considered part of that, you know, top tier mm-hmm. conversation for a starting guy, an ace that you would want for your starting rotation. I know that Yamamoto could have been a long shot, but I still expected the Cardinals to at least be in those conversations. It felt like this year, this was the perfect opportunity to at least be in those conversations. You're not going to get a 25-year-old 
ace like Yamamoto, and I know there's a huge question mark of what that will look like when you come over here to Major League Baseball, but I think that there's also a lot of reward when it comes to him because he's 25 years old. If there's anybody who's deserving that contract, it's him. It makes sense, especially for the long run of things. But Mm -hmm. for them to not even now be likely a part of those conversations, I mean, we can not even say likely at this point. That's not going to happen. No. The Cardinals, the Cardinals are done. They they yeah. have their starting rotation set and, at this point. And by the way, a record for them, and again to their credit, a record as they get into the hundred ninety million dollar range, a little over hundred ninety million for payroll. Let's uh, get one more from Matthew, who's been standing here all day. I can't believe that he gave us a mic drop, but he did. This starting rotation is not going to work out for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, they talk about, oh, we signed guys that eat innings. What happens when Marmol pulls them after five because they give up five or six runs in a game? They're not going to eat innings, and we have yet to even fix our bullpen. Don't disagree with you, sure. That's. <laughs> Don't disagree with you. That's where it goes back to the quality. Yeah. Quality. And, and, and philosophically, maybe that's something that Ollie needs to look at is uh, for as many times as Jordan Montgomery came out in the fifth inning last year, maybe you have to let guys deal. And, and these are veteran pitchers who I think you can trust a little bit more. Let them deal with some adversity to give you more innings and protect yes. your bullpen a little bit more. You would have to change your philosophy going into the season, I feel like, with mm-hmm. getting Lynn and Gibson and now Sonny Gray. Another question for you, because we keep getting this text in. So this is from the 636, just real quick. If the Cardinals trade for Cease, would you feel better about this offseason? Oh, is, Car- is that even a possibility, you think, at this point? I, I would think it might be... Uh, I don't. I, I haven't checked on what Cease is. If you move Mats to, to the bullpen, yeah, the the thing would be the payroll. And I, if you could offload Tyler O'Neill somehow and get Dylan Cease onto your team, and obviously you'd have to move Gorman and probably a Graceffo. If if they can make that move. It, Get a cease. I would feel really good about that. But it doesn't feel like that's a possibility because you also go back to Mosaic's comments last week where it seems like he even mentioned they haven't been that deep into trade talks. No, and maybe they're waiting for the winter meetings. Or maybe they are done. I don't know. But yes, if, and by the way, it's just not Cease in and of himself. You need to give Dylan Cease some help. He was Mm -hmm. victimized by just a horrible culture with the White Sox last year. So was Lance Lynn. And... That needs to change for the Cardinals. You need to have somebody kind of like Jack Flaherty when he was at his best with the Cardinals. He had both Gibson and Carpenter. And if you can give Cease somebody that has had that level of success at the major leagues to kind of lead him through and lead him back to what he was a couple of years ago, it'll make a huge difference for him. So, yes, to your question, if the Cardinals could go out and still make that trade for a guy with that sort of ability. By the way, I talked to several people within the Cardinal organization who say, last year with Dylan Cease, it wasn't all his fault. There were a lot of extenuating circumstances that caused him to not be the guy. And so there is some belief within the organization that Dylan Cease is still capable of being that ace guy. I don't know if they're trading for him, but that's just an, uh, that's a, a 3,000 foot view of what people have seen from him. Yes. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues hockey. Chris Kerber, your voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, joins us next as he does every Monday on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Bring out the Zamboni! It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. 
Jake's got a, a great a great mind for the game, and he's a little bit of a throwback too, Randy, to where like he's not afraid to get involved. He's got that old school mentality. He'll get to the front of the net. He'll get physical. But when you watch him out there, he handles the puck so smoothly, and he makes passes. He can obviously he can score goals. He's got goals. And puck cleared ahead. It comes to Neighbors. Stick checks his way to the puck. He shoots. He scores. Neighbors in front. He shoots. He scores. He got the feed from Butchnevich. Jake went to the middle of the ice, and it's a 4-1 St. Louis lead. That is the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber here on 101 ESPN. You also heard Jamie Rivers talking about Jake Neighbors, who appears to be making a move at the very least into being a, a top six guy, probably more of a middle six guy. But uh, Chris Kerber joins us now, as he does every Monday here on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, I'm good. How are you? Everything's good. The Cardinals uh, apparently getting set to sign Sonny Gray. I know as a uh, as, as a Cardinal fan, you're uh, you're a guy that regularly attends. Is, is Sonny Gray a guy that causes you to buy a few tickets next year? Uh listen, I, I'm a Cardinal fan that didn't have any grand illusions that you're going to go out and sign three impact pitchers and change things around on a dime. That's just not how sports works. So. Uh, I'm hoping that a combination of what they're doing and maybe some other guys come along uh, is a difference maker here, but it's better than what they've had. And and I know his postseason numbers aren't that great, Randy, but hell, you got to get there first anyway. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. He's he's one of the free agent guys out there, and the Cardinals are getting after it. So that that at least has got to make you think something positive. Yeah. Hey, uh, how about the weekend for Jake Neighbors? What are you seeing in his advancement? Well, I, I think you have to be kind of excited here because, and, and it's more also the fact that uh, the, the other guys that were in the top six weren't getting the job done. So Jake Neighbors got elevated to the second line and he earned it. He got elevated to the top power play and he's produced. He got elevated to the first line and gets two goals. Um, you know, in in you know in the year of hopium here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting there wondering, okay, one of the big questions was, can Jake Neighbors potentially play in your top six, or is he a third-line guy? Well, he's only played 72 National Hockey League games, right? So, you know, looking at looking at that, the fact that even in just, you know, one and a half games, he's looked pretty good with Robert Thomas, He's you're encouraged with it. So I, I'm kind of excited here because what I, what I took out of, and, and I talked about this in one of my takeaways from in the, on the curbside podcast after yesterday's game. What I, what, what I'm kind of excited about now is when you look at say that third line that had Kyrou Hayes and Sod. Now Jordan Kyrou has got to play up higher in the lineup, mm-hmm. but it's up to him. That's, I mean, that is, that is strictly up to him on whether or not he's going to play higher. That's not, well, coach has to give him a chance or any of that stuff. That's just, frankly, is he going to play more consistently? The But when you look to the future and you think about a potential Jimmy Snuggerud or a Pavel Dvorsky, you know, or does a Zach Bolduc or does a Zach Dean, you know, start, start to impact things a little bit uh, over the next year or two, that's, that's where another couple in your top six are going to be coming from. And then all of a sudden your depth gets forced right down the lineup and you become a really dangerous team again because every single line could, could do some damage to you. So um, right now you got to be really encouraged that Jake Neighbors uh, looks like he could be a guy that steps into one of those top six roles because that just continues to add, you know, add threat to your lineup. 
Well, Curbs, as you mentioned there, the top six guys not getting it done, and that's why we saw some of those lines shift. With Jordan Cairo, too, as you mentioned, what did you think of the decision to move him to the third line? Well, I mean, it's it, it, look, it, it wasn't even just the third line. And you know, Craig Berube didn't get asked publicly about this. Well, he did on our coaches show yesterday. But, you know, the game before, he, he benched Jordan Cairo for the final 11 minutes and nine seconds of the of the third period. Now, on that last home game, that he played, Jordan had played three shifts, played about three minutes in that third period, and then uh, and, and then didn't play for. And I think he sat on the bench from eleven oh nine until the end of the game. Uh, so it look, he wants Jordan Cairo. Well, one, you know, he, he's been turning the puck over a little bit, so that that's part of it. Kind of talking about his hands is what he described to us, what uh, Craig Berube described to us yesterday. Uh, you want some consistency of just going there, getting smarter decisions. You know, Jordan's kind of had this thing this year. Where, and by the way, look, I don't think it's an effort thing. Uh, you know, some people may question that. That that's that, that's obviously not the case. Uh, it's just a young player still trying to find consistency. He's played 250 games in a week. It's still just trying to find that game in game out consistency. And again, when he's playing on a top line with Robert Thomas. You're getting all the hard minutes. You're getting the top matchups. You're going against the other team's top defensive pairing. Game in, game out, shift in, shift out. And it's it's just different. You have to learn how to battle through that and how to play you know, through that. And um, and I thought he had a great response yesterday, to be honest with you. I thought he had a good, you know, he's got him on the board. I mean, he has assists in four straight games, but it's not about the points. He ended up flying back. He made some fantastic defensive plays, including one on Connor Bedard. And and this isn't about saying, well, a guy's got to play defense. It's just a guy has to be responsible in this system and how you're going to play on both ends of the ice. And you've got to just be more aware and, and, and smart with the puck because this is a hockey team, guys, that is a good enough hockey team that if they don't hurt themselves – you're going to be fine. And it's those turnovers in those tough areas that they tend to hurt themselves. So I think what I think we've seen, Brooke, is a very good handling of it from Craig Berube. I think we're seeing some excellent coaching with him, you know, with what he's done with Verona, uh, with what he did with Cairo, how he's handled that. And and I think we saw a great response from those guys yesterday. So for, for me, it's a positive. Plus, look, I mean, you, you get 15, 16 minutes a game playing with Kevin Hayes and you change that line uh, with, with some speed that he brings to the table, mm-hmm. that's just another line that's a possible threat. Curbs, when you talk about game out, game, game in, game out consistency, specific to Cairo, but you talk about this team, what the heck is going on? You, you've got the, the six, well, let's just go back to the 5-1 losses to the Kings and Sharks. Then you beat the Ducks 3-1. to Then you have a game against Arizona where it's not a, a masterpiece, but you win. But then you get beat by the Predators 8-3. Then you bounce back yesterday against the Hawks. What is going on with game out, game in, game out consistency with this team? Well, if, listen, if you remember, you know, the, the question marks that you had when you looked at the lineup – you know, who's going to play where? What's going to happen? You're hoping that you know you get you get some uh, some more offense out of somebody like a, a Jacob Verana, and you really haven't had that. But it's not just again, it's not just the offense. It's this team has to play you know a certain way. Justin Falk said this isn't a system. You know, after the, the last loss in the national, he said this isn't a system issue. We we just have to play better. Um, for example, in the, in the game against Nashville, Craig Ruby felt that the defense. Could, their sticks could be better. Their sticks could be harder. They, they they could have gotten to pucks along the walls 
in the defensive zone better. There's there's aspects of the game there. I mean, this isn't an excuse. This is what teams are dealing with. They're in a stretch of hockey where they've had one practice in the last week and a half. Uh, Jordan Bennington even mentioned it in his post-game press conferences. You know, sometimes you just got to keep going and you get the grind going. And um, that West Coast road trip was tough on this team, no doubt about it. There's a couple of quirks here, Randy. They're in a stretch of, of where you're out of 25 days from the 15th of November to the 9th of December. Uh, you're home one day without travel, holiday, or a game, and that's going to be that's going to be Wednesday. Uh, you know, one day that, that you're home without a day where you have to travel. It's been a holiday, or you have a home game. Uh, there just hasn't been much time for this team to practice to work on some things. So you do what you can in morning skates. And sometimes your team game is going to be able to get away from you. They had a pretty good practice the, the day before, you know, the game against Chicago, and it showed there. So they were able to kind of regroup and get it going. And part of it, too, is just personnel, Randy. I mean, that L.A. Kings team is, is a really good team. You know, the, the, the speed of the Arizona Coyotes can, can get you. They've had the Blues number a little bit of late. There's going to be some of that stuff that's in there that uh, – is just going to challenge the Blues this year. But the good news is is they've played 20 games, and right now they're the top wild card team. Mm-hmm. Just a few points out of second and third in the division. I think it's, I think all in all, it's been a pretty doggone good uh, first quarter of the season for the Blues. Well, and especially when you look at a team like Minnesota, who I expected to be kind of in that same realm as the Blues, and we saw what a seven-game losing streak can do to a team last year here, and the Wild have lost seven in a row. The Blues obviously are there tomorrow night, and sometimes that inconsistency can kill a team. And it looks like it's doing that right now to Minnesota. So I'm with you for for what I expected for where the blues are right now, a quarter of the way into the season. I'm a happy camper. Yeah. Listen, the the biggest thing that they've done this year that was different than last year so far is avoided that huge dip. Right. And, and yeah, they've lost a couple. They win a couple. They lost a couple for the third time this season. They've gotten the three games over 500. It'll be another chance to get the four games over. You know when they play Minnesota on Tuesday night. I, I've always I've been wondering when you know some of the moves and the fact that they're still got about fourteen million in dead cap space is going to catch up to the Minnesota Wild, and and that might have happened you know this year. It was only a matter of time, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, but to take them lightly, and they'll put it in. You know, you know what's crazy is like yesterday was the sixteenth game against the Western Conference for the Blues. It was only the sixth for the Chicago Blackhawks. Wow. You know, one of those kind of crazy, uh, crazy, you know, nuggets there. So the Blues are going to have a lot of games against the East later on in the season. But look, yeah, you've got to be pretty happy with just kind of where you're at now. Nobody's running away with it necessarily in the Central. Things are down a little bit, but hey, that's not the Blues' fault. You take advantage of it. And, you know, right now they've got a chance, for example, Tuesday. They've, they've got a chance tomorrow to put the Minnesota Wild 11 points behind them in the standings. That'd be a good thing and to do. That, that's huge. That's huge 21 games in. It really is. Curbs, as always, great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great day. Have a great trip. And we'll talk to you later. All right. Have, have an awesome week, you guys. Talk to you in a bit. You too, Bye. buddy. That is Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Matthew, Randy, Kerry is out today. He'll rejoin us tomorrow. Coming up, the fight on 101 ESPN. We we have a fighter. We, we need a fighter. Oh, so you need to text in. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. If you'd like to participate in the fight, just send in your name with the word fight to that number. Maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN.
Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And Randy is ready for the fight today. After having some turkey, I saw somebody text in Rock hoping that maybe Randy would be a little sluggish after having some turkey this past weekend and a few days off. But I don't know. He's pretty fired up today after the news that the Cardinals have reportedly signed or bringing in Sonny Gray. Days off or more time for him to scroll random uh, sports minutia. <laughs> yes, So exactly. I don't know if days off are actually a good thing. <laughs> Again, it's usually Mondays. I, I, I've tracked it. The best records in the fight against Randy, and these are not good records, but they're the best records, are Wednesdays and Fridays. Oh. Those are the best winning percentages. Again, winning percentages is really stretching the definition of what we're yes. calling these, but still, nonetheless, a winning percentage. Well, now we're going to welcome into the fight Rob. Rob, after hearing that, do you wish it was a Wednesday or Friday? Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that he just threw that statistic at you, but are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? I am sure ready. Okay. We're going to go ahead and get started. Question number one. There are two SEC schools that have had a first overall pick in both the NBA and the NFL. LSU and which other program? Is it Kentucky, Vanderbilt, or Florida? Let's go Florida. Which college program became the first to win a thousand games earlier this season? I should say, which college football program became the first to win a thousand <laughs> games earlier this season? Was that Alabama, Washington, or Michigan? Michigan. One quarterback has thrown for exactly 3,000 yards on Thanksgiving, making him the most prolific career Turkey Day passer. Which non Cowboys QB is it? Is it Gary Danielson, Matthew Stafford, or John Kitna? Matthew Stafford. And which team briefly took over the second Thanksgiving game from the Cowboys in 1975 and 1977? Was that the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, or the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh, St. Louis Cardinals. All right, we will double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Rob, how are you feeling? Uh, okay, that first question I think might get me, but we'll see how Randy does. But pretty confident in the other ones, right? Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to do all right. All right, Randy's coming in. He's had just about all of his grapes uh-huh. and a Propel. What is the flavor of the day, Randy? Uh, black cherry. Oh. It's the best. It's oh. There's some people so who good. don't like the black cherry. I know, Carrie black- is a, not a, not yeah. a black cherry That's devotee. Like, like, there's a tier with black cherry, and then there's a couple tiers before I get to my next Propel. What's next? Like, uh, grape kiwi is strawberry? Probably kiwi strawberry. Kiwi strawberry is great. Black cherry is so good. I love any kiwi strawberry and, flavor. By the way, bottom of the barrel for Propel. I, I'll still drink it, but it's just, <laughs> it's just not going to be it. Randy one time was really nice, and I was parched, and I, I didn't have any water, and Randy handed me a Propel. I'm now realizing that it was kiwi strawberry. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I just loaded it because I have a, I get a case, multiple cases from Costco all the time, so I just load them in. You know, I don't, I don't even look at the flavor. <laughs> I just drink them. Well, Randy, say hi to Rob. Rob, good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. All right, Randy, you ready to take on Rob in the fight? Ready. 
Question number one. There are two SEC schools that have had a first overall pick in both the NBA and NFL. LSU and which other program? Hmm. LSU, Jamarcus Russell, and Shaquille O'Neal, right? Um, and probably some others. Yes. Well, let's think about this. It's not Mizzou. Uh, Georgia. I don't think they've ever had an NBA number one overall. Um, they have had an NFL, obviously, in Stafford. Um, let's see. So Alabama, no. Um, Florida, no. Kentucky. You know what? I think I'm going to go with Anthony Davis and Tim Couch. I think Tim Couch was the number one overall pick of the Browns in 1999 uh, from the University of Kentucky. So I'm going to go with uh, Kentucky having a number one. This is NBA and NFL, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Kentucky. Uh, sorry, uh, Ken Rosenthal just tweeted out a contract detail. I saw that. Okay. Uh, do we want to bring that up now? Or uh, three three years, $75 million. Yep, 25 AAV. Good. So that's not what I was expecting. Changes my opinion a little Neither bit. Neither was Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Randy, which college program became the f- college football program became the first to win a thousand games earlier this season? I believe that would have been Michigan on uh, on Saturday, or maybe the Saturday before. But yeah, Michigan Wolverines. One quarterback has thrown for exactly three thousand yards on Thanksgiving, making him the most prolific career Turkey Day passer. Which non-Cowboys QB is it? Well, that would mean that it's a Detroit Lion. And I'm guessing it's not Eric Hipple or Bobby Lane. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford here because that's the only logical choice. And Randy, which team briefly took over the second Thanksgiving game from the Cowboys in 1975 and 1977? That would be your St. Louis Cardinals. I was at those games uh, in 1975. My favorite player was O.J. Simpson. It was a running back, not the murderer O.J. Simpson. <laughs> alleged, alleged, alleged. The running back. And he came in and rushed for like 69 yards, and they had a guy named a fullback named Jim Braxton who ran for like 185 yards against the Cardinals, sitting in the end zone watching Jim Braxton run at us all day. And then in 1977, pretty much at the end of the Coriel era, 55-14 loss to the Miami Dolphins, in which Bob Greasy hit Nat Moore for, I think, six touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. And A.J. Dewey got uh, Conrad Dobler so mad at him that Conrad threw his helmet. Oh, man, it was bad. And then at the end of the year, Don Don Coriel leaves, and then that was kind of it. So I'm going to go with your St. Louis Cardinals. All right. Randy had four whole days to study up for this fight. Did he click the random minutia that is around the intervet internet correctly or did you already have the information just in that big brain of yours maybe too big right yeah yeah <laughs> little, I, have, I have trouble getting through doors man <laughs> surprised you could get into so the let's door. knock some of that information <laughs> out of randy's head let's see if we got some of it today or or did average joe take down randy to start out a new week after the holiday ring that bell go crazy folks go crazy the winner and still champion of the fight randy Carricker. Ah, that was a really close one. You, Randy only got you by one. He beat you four to three. You had to hit the jack to win that one outright. Ah, good fight, Randy. Thank you, sir. 
it was wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for participating. We do appreciate Absolutely. it and love you. Have love having you listen. All right, let's go through those uh, questions and answers. There are two SEC schools that have had a first overall pick in both the NBA and NFL. LSU and which other program? We were looking for Kentucky. Uh, the answer from the average Joe there was Florida. Kentucky is the correct answer with Tim Couch and Anthony Davis. We had a texter who correctly pointed out, and I don't know how this wasn't on the list. Anthony Edwards, for some reason, I had it in my head as the second overall pick, first overall pick out of Georgia. Matthew oh. Stafford, a first overall mm-hmm. pick out of Georgia. Sure, that Georgia was not too. Georgia, not one of the options. In my, I, I looked that up. Saw it. I was like, good. That's a great trivia question. And I was like, Anthony Edwards is the second overall pick. I'm good. We're, we're clear. Uh-huh. It was, in fact, uh, Anthony Edwards is in there as well. So it's, it's LSU, Georgia, and Kentucky. But Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Florida were the options. Which college program became the, and by the way, it's Anthony Davis and like three other players who went first yeah, overall right. from basketball. Yeah. But Tim Couch is the, is the um, football player that makes it all happen. Michigan won 1,000 games two weeks ago. You saw it if you were watching the game this week. They had a special uh, one and G in the Michigan on their helmet mm-hmm. for 1,000 games. Uh, so they don't have a thousand and one. One quarterback has thrown for exactly three thousand yards on Thanksgiving. It was in fact Matthew Stafford. And which team briefly took over th- the second Thanksgiving game from the Cowboys in seventy-five and seventy-seven? It was in fact the St. Louis Cardinals. Randy, the article I read says that s- opposition from fans in St. Louis to continuing the game partially came from the conflict with the Webster Groves Kirkwood Thanksgiving game. Oh, is wow. that real? I, I would assume that it is, yeah. That's crazy to that me. Is that, that Roselle was like, here, primetime yeah. football. Yeah. And we said, listen, buddy, we already got something here. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can give it back to the Cowboys. Yeah. We don't really yeah, need we that. We really don't need that's, it. That's the most St. Louis thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> so there it is, a 4-3 win for Randy in the fight today. By the way, on that day, Jim Braxton runs 34 for 160 and three touchdowns. O.J. Simpson, 23 for 85 and one touchdown. Uh, 32-14 was the final in the game. And uh, rushing on the day, let's see. Uh, Buffalo ran it 59 times for 264 yards. Oh, sorry. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, bye. Rob. All right. I say bye to Rob, my bad. <laughs> you just left I him just, I literally just like went straight through and I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. My bad. My bad, Rob. I'm sorry. Thank you so much for joining the show. Bye, Rob. Bye, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, we mentioned that Michigan has a thousand wins, and their coach thinks they're America's team. But another team's coach thinks they are America's team. Who's right? That's next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to feed the Tigers on the opening drive. This is the Morning Zoo on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by James Carlton of State Farm. Mention 101 ESPN to James's team when you request a quote, and they'll donate $20 to NIL on your behalf. CarltonInsurance.net. You know, earlier in the week, I heard I heard a coach talk about being America's team. You know, I, I don't know about all that conversation. They got so many different good things going for them. Some good, some some maybe they stole illegally. We're America's team. We're we're a team built on underdogs. We're a team built on on young men with something to prove. We got a Division two uh, transfer running back who, who's leading the SEC in rushing. Uh, we we got a bunch of fighters. Our quarterback has been fighting his whole life to earn an opportunity to play the way he does. I'm just proud to coach this football team, and it ain't about me. It's really about those brotherhood, those guys coming together, those coaches in there coaching their butt off uh, for each other. And that's what that's what America's all about. 
That's Eli Drinkwitz talking about the Michigan Wolverines and their head coach, Jim Harbaugh. And he did say yes, despite the fact that we may or, well, we were stealing signs. We are kind of America's team. He didn't say kind of. He said they were America's <laughs> team. They do have a thousand victories. Eli is saying, <laughs> well, we don't know if they're all legit, but they have a thousand victories. <laughs> but Eli says Mizzou is America's team. I love Missouri and I love Eli Drinkwitz. But, Brooke, I don't believe that America's team can be a non-blue blood. Uh, so I don't think that Mizzou, with their current status in the college football stratosphere, can be considered America's team. You see, I I don't disagree with you there, that I think that in the national perception of things, that it's hard for Mizzou to, in a lot of other people's eyes, be perceived that way. But I also look at it as this. One, I kind of took this as Eli Drink was just finding another way to take a shot at Harbaugh, which uh-huh. he has yep. done several times this season. If you remember, I think he was on some SEC podcast, what was that, like about a month ago? Mm-hmm. And he kind of took a shot at the cheating allegations, which I like that he does that. One, I think that... I'm sure other coaches are very frustrated by this. And two, when you have the wins to back it up, you can talk. You can do a lot more talking. And also, I feel like they deserve to be called out for what they have done, for the cheating allegations and all the different kinds of stuff. You can't even say allegations at this point anymore. I don't even know why I would say that, because it's true. It happened, all right? And for Eli Drinkwitz, I think, to continue to put that pressure on, I think it's great that he's doing that. But I also look at it at the perspective of, why can't Mizzou in some ways be America's team? Because if you look at what Michigan and Harbaugh did, mm-hmm. Michigan was caught cheating and Mizzou went about winning in a blue collar underdog way. Isn't that supposed to be the story of the U.S. of A of America? Yes, Isn't that is. supposed to it's, be the story? And so to be. it's Eli saying that hard work is a mark of America's team, not cheating. But here's my thing. And again, I say this as a Mizzou fan. But if you don't move the needle for TV rank ratings, can you be America's team? Even as mediocre as Notre Dame has been for years, isn't mm-hmm. Notre Dame still kind of America's team? Yeah. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. but I, Huge I fan base. Yeah, yes. it's, it's monstrous. So I, I would put them. I still think Ohio State has a tremendous national following. Uh, Texas, if they ever get things going, mm-hmm. is going to. I and Alabama, obviously, that's that, that's a national fan base now. I just think it's going to be really hard for Mizzou to dent that level of dominance in terms of being in the American consciousness on a regular basis. I would guess if you go to a hundred hardcore sports fans or casual sports, just a hundred Americans, and say, okay, name your top five college football programs, probably maybe one out of a hundred will have Mizzou somewhere in there. But that's about it. Yes, I, and I agree with that. But I still think, one, I, I like that he's taking shots at Harbaugh Me because, too. once again, mm-hmm. what Mizzou went through, they turned themselves in for that whole incident, and they got a harsher punishment when you're looking at postseason ban. Michigan's not even going to get that. So that's absolutely ridiculous. So I like that Eli Drinkwitz is also kind of, in that way, pointing that out about how just unfair that is. And that kind of goes with what you're talking about, Randy, about the Blue Buds. It seems like if you're Blue Blood or if you're America's team or everybody knows you, then you have a different set of rules mm-hmm. than everybody else. And that's clear with what you're saying. Look at the whole Bill Self situation. Different set of rules than everybody else, including Mizzou. Mizzou got shafted in that instance. But 
I think Mizzou has the ability to really build something where they're going to be more in that national conversation year in, year out. And that has to do with keeping Eli Drinkwitz here and letting him continue to build up the program. I think that's another way on the recruiting side where players see, okay, I have a feisty coach that is willing to go out there and say those things. Did you hear that he did a whole campaign for Cody Schrader and the Heisman after the game? I like that You know, he's doing that. I think that that's something that is very gravitating towards a lot of young players, as you mentioned earlier. The way that they're developing players, too, who weren't the most highly sought after, I think that's something that is exciting as well. What do you think it would take for Mizzou in the next few years? What would they need to do to be able to be at least more in that national recognition where they're not being discounted year in and year out? I think they would need to play in the Final Four. Now they, the playoff is going to, to expand. I think they need to be so visible that they wind up playing in the Final Four. And Eli has to be the guy. Eli mm-hmm. has to be the front man. You, you need to have a charismatic... Uh, fun coach to if you're going to turn things around you, you need to be that guy by the way who plays Cody Schrader in a movie you got any ideas I, oh. I just can't think of a guy so I tried to put it into a celebrity generator last night and I did not like the results I sent that to you guys it really did not make much sense I don't I'm not great with knowing like young actors right now because it would have to be somebody young what about like a Zac Efron but with brown oh. contacts okay is he old is Zach Efron old, old now? Zach Efron's like thirty five. Like Zach Efron's like in That's his like thirties. Like he's in his like mid mid thirties now. He's old okay. to play a twenty one year old. Well then I he? yeah, I have no idea. Who do you think, Randy, would play Cody Schrader in a I movie? have a great deal of difficulty with this because I'm like you. I'm just not it's aware 36. of uh of the, the, the Utes. Uh Taylor Lautner. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I like, like Holiday's <laughs> cast 35-year-olds he's, to play 20 year, 20, 22 year old before. They do it all the time, yeah. He's, he's what, 31 or something? Yeah, uh, yeah Zach Efron's 36, Taylor Lautner's got to be 32 or 33, right? 31. Oh, he is 31. Okay, okay, I think that that's a pretty Lautner. good pick. Okay. I was trying to think of somebody else. Uh, no, but that's that's definitely on up there. You couldn't pass for a college kid. I was going to say Josh Hartnett. Remember, he was, in, he was like the 90. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but don't laugh at me. I don't know any current young actors. I feel like it's been it's like the fault. same actors over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. In Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, coming up, we've got our Rush Hour reset for you. The Cardinals apparently going to sign Sonny Gray to a three-year deal worth $75 million. Good for Sonny. Whew. And <laughs> also another NFL coach firing, Frank Reich, whacked by the Panthers. That's coming up on our Rush Hour reset on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Having the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset. I really just don't understand. Uh, Sonny Gray's fine. He had a career year at age 34, but I guess we need to see the terms. But as of right now, our starting rotation could be supplemented by Medicare. (laughs) Matt with a great one on 101 ESPN 906. (laughs) Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And the terms, according to Ken Rosenthal, are three years, $75 million for the Cardinals and Sonny Gray, who will presumably fill out their starting rotation. Brooke, I can't imagine with that sort of salary for Sonny Gray that the Cardinals will do anything else. No. And do they really need to, Randy? Because also, as the texter mentioned, Wilkin Rodriguez is back. So you have that piece <laughs> in your bullpen. Set. So that is said, I think that they're done. That That's it. 
That's all that yeah. they need to do, right? Right. Right. So, well, so if, if they want to get back to 500, which has to be the first goal, right? Yeah. Because you can't do anything until you get to 500. <laughs> so if you want to get back to 500, I think the Cardinals have done a wonderful job in setting the stage for that. We can't set the bar this low, yes, though, Randy. No. No. After a 91 loss season, this was not exactly the response. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people pointed out that this is not a bad signing. I don't have anything nope. against Sonny Gray, and you don't either, but is he your solution for that question mark of an ace for the starting rotation? Because I think that he fits in for a number two. Now, did he perform like an ace at times for the Twins last season? Yes, but I think. who was their ace? It was Pablo Lopez, right? Exactly. So comparing the starting rotation, just going to the season, saying this is all said and done, this is going to, going to be it for the Cardinals starting rotation. Last season, the starting rotation for the Cardinals, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, Steven Matz, Miles Michaelis, Adam Wainwright. How do you feel about that starting rotation compared to this one? This one will be better. This one will be better if if they're healthy. And you, you're always in a dicey situation with starters that are 34, 35, 36, 36, right? That's, that's what concerns me. Right. That's a huge thing. And then your fifth guy, if it is Matz, is always hurt. So... Yeah, that's that's definitely a concern. Uh, as Curb said, we're we're on hopium here. High on hopium. Yep. Is that is that going to be the theme? Yeah. I don't know if that's exactly. I think that people were hoping for a little bit more security. And look, you do address hopefully some dependability, but the age factor is a big concern that I have. And then hoping that some guys will do better than they did last season. And I know that there was, especially in that Lance Lynn situation, as you mentioned, White Sox, that was a terrible situation for all the players involved. But it was a down year for Lance Lynn. Kyle Gibson, very encouraging numbers. I think that you're hoping for a higher upside, better year. Even for Miles Michaelis, you're hoping for a higher upside that he'll be able to bounce back. So that's essentially three or four guys that you're hoping will bounce back this next season. Let's point out three or four old guys that you're hoping bounce back. Yes. It's not often that pitchers do get better in their mid to late 30s. Not often. Has happened, but not often. So... I, I question the move. I question the price, although I'm sure this is what the Cardinals felt like they had to pay. And I, I mentioned last year, I guess I, I, I kind of am talking out both sides of my mouth when I say <laughs> last year they didn't read the market. They failed to foresee what was going to happen. This year they're setting the market. So congratulations on doing that. I just don't know that they set the market. They are setting the market with the best move for their team. If Sonny Gray is signed to a three-year $75 million to be your number two guy, you're fine. If he is signed to a three-year, $75 million deal to be your ace, you're not fine. So then the next question is, will they be active in the trade market? So somebody uh, texted him so. from the 314. Sonny Gray is a really good pickup, but we still need to make a push for a trade this offseason. Carlson, O'Neill, and possibly one or two more pieces for Cease or a long shot with Manoa. We need to bolster the pin and sign Hicks again if available. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Now, I don't know if Hicks is the answer. He's going to be pretty expensive. The projections for him are more than $10 million a year. I don't think the Cardinals will go there. In fact, they might not even go there. Uh, I don't know that they ended on great terms with Hixie, even though they did try to sign him at the end. But if he's north of $10 million a year, I'd be really surprised if the Cardinals would do that. Hey, let's get a couple of mic drops here. Timothy has been kind enough to send us a mic drop. Timothy, you're on 101 ESPN. Sonny Gray is a solid signing. I'll give him all that. Um, I didn't think the Cardinals added in them actually spend on a good starter. But don't take that foot off that gas. Keep going. Get us that ace. 
bring Yamamoto, bring Yamamoto home. Yeah, all gas, no brakes. <sighs> and that's the disappointing part. If the Cardinals... If the Cardinals wanted a chance to even be in the Yamamoto conversation, this felt like the best year. His agent is also Nolan Arenado's agent. And sometimes we had some people text in, does the friendship really matter with Lars Newbar? Maybe, maybe not. But then when you hear the report that he supposedly wants to go to a place that are familiar with Japanese players and maybe even have some Japanese players, he has that familiarity with Lars Newbar. If you're the Cardinals, all those different doors are opening up for you. And he's got to know so Taguchi. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I just I I just think that this was an opportunity for them to at least be in those conversations. But now that door has shut. There's no way that that's going to happen at this no, point, right? No. Not with the payroll above $190 million now. Uh, let's get A.A. Ron here on 101 ESPN. There's only one answer. Yoshi. 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 Yo, she, yo, that is uh, Cardinal well, saying uh, no, she, no, she, no, she, <laughs> no, she. That's right. Uh, Sadly, let's let's just do one more quick one here. Let's get Dev on 101 ESPN. Mo and the front office are going to spin this as signing a number one starter and their big free agent signing in the offseason. Unfortunately, Sonny Gray is not a number one pitcher in any other organization, but the Cardinals' pitching rotation stinks, so he will act as a number one. Is it what we need? Probably not, but it could work. He might not be a number one, but he's our number one. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a way to frame that. Does, that. does that move the needle for season ticket sales? Yeah. If you put that on, you know, like the advertisement. Yeah. By the way, when Sonny Gray was uh, 25 years old, he did throw 200 innings in a season. Nice. Nine years ago. <laughs> Nine years ago. Randy. Oh my God! At least it wasn't ten years ago. Uh, so Sunny Gray getting set to be a Cardinal. Sunny, welcome home. Sunny comes home. Somebody wants us to know too that Lars is not a Japanese player. Can you correct that person, please? He's Japanese American and also the first Japanese American for to play for Team Japan in the World Baseball Classic. His mom and Yamamoto's mom are best friends. They have known each other for a while, and Lars and Yoshi do hang out with each other. Uh, so there is familiarity. And maybe they don't speak the same language. But oh, do you really need to amongst friends? The international language is baseball, Brooke. Yes. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It is. Uh, and his given name, by the way, is Lars Taylor Tatsui Newtbar. You're great at Japanese. Thank you. I just learned it. I See, I... <laughs> <laughs> me, Lars and me and uh, Yoshi, we can all get together and have a little conversation over some sushi. Ooh. I love sushi. I, I love sushi, too. And Delicious. that's probably the Japanese speaking. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't claim that. Uh, coming up, our friend Katie Wu from The Athletic talking about the Gray signing and the Descalso hiring and more here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Today, he'll be back tomorrow. Brooke and Randy with you. It's the opening drive, and we head to the celebrity line. And our friend Katie Wu, who covers the Cardinals, how'd you like that job for the athletic, joins us on 101 ESPN. Uh, <laughs> right. Katie Wu, good morning. How are you doing? 
Randy Brooke, good morning. Um, I'm hearing it's a very sunny day in St. Louis. Oh, we're so excited. Talk me off the ledge. <laughs> Uh, you know, honestly, you guys, I'm, I'm finding out just as, just at the same time as everybody else because I'm in California and was still peacefully asleep. So imagine my surprise when I'm like, <laughs> why is my phone going off? Like, leave me alone. And then I see it and I'm like, oh, I should get up. So, <laughs> so, a little bit of a hectic morning, too. OK, let me give you my opinion. And uh, Katie, you and I agree on a lot here. I, th- I think Sonny Gray is fine, but not if he's going to be your ace. Do you agree with that? You know what? Yes and no. Um, I think Cardinals fans in general would be a lot more excited about Sonny Gray, who I think is a fantastic signing and was as perfect for what the Cardinals need in terms of the age and the contract allowed. Coming for three years, $75 million, makes sense. Um, I think there is a little bit of skepticism because the Cardinals signed Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson and are banking on bounce back years from both of those pitchers. And, of course, with Miles Michaelis as well. So you get Sonny Gray to be the anchor at the top of your rotation, but then your two, three, four leave a little bit to be desired. But that's the position the Cardinals put themselves in when they came into the offseason desperate for innings. They had to go and they had to shore up innings as quick as possible because the alternative and doing it the opposite way, Randy, would be, you know, they get their guy and all of a sudden they don't have any depth to supplement it with. So I understand why Mo had to go out and do it the way that he did. I think it's going to work out for them. Keep in mind, they haven't even started exploring the trade market yet. There still be there still could be moves to make, but I think this is going to be the Cardinals rotation going in. I like it. I think it leaves a little bit more to be desired, but I do think it is impressive that we're not even at the winter meetings and Mo did what he said he was going to do and signed three starters. So as you just mentioned there, so Sonny Gray kind of completes this offseason trifecta possibly for the starting rotation, but do you think that a trade is still viable for the Cardinals? Would that trade, though, be for the bullpen or for the starting rotation still? That's a good question. I'm I'm inclined to go bullpen just because Mo repeatedly said three starters, and at some point he said two and a half. Um, and he, but he never once said four. Now, that doesn't mean it won't happen. I think the Cardinals are in one of the better positions to make a trade based on, one, the ample depth they have both in their minor league system and with controllable talent on their major league roster. And also the free agent market in terms of position playing is pretty thin this year. So they do have an advantage for teams looking to upgrade their roster. I think the Cardinals are going to be a popular team. But I do think that because we spent so much time talking about the rotation, we haven't talked a lot about the bullpen. And the Cardinals certainly need a couple of higher leverage guys to supplement Ryan Helsley and Giovanni Gallegos in the back end of that bullpen. And I think that's where they're going to pivot their direction to next. Katie, there's a, a lot of ground to cover because, as you mentioned, to the Cardinals' credit, they've done a lot already this offseason, including, and you talked to Daniel Descalso, hiring Daniel Descalso as the bench coach. What was your take on that move? Yeah, I feel like that news kind of got buried in the in the onslaught of pitching acquisitions. but. And I I really like this move for the Cardinals, and I like this move for Descalso because you're seeing a trend in baseball where coaching staffs are looking towards the freshly or almost just out of baseball hires, the guys that had like the long careers. You're thinking about the Skip Schumacher and the John Jay duo, what they're doing in Miami, very successful. And Descalso kind of fits that mold. And I think he'll bring a lot of continuity to this Cardinal staff. Not only does he have a, a great relationship with Ollie Marmel, I mean, they went up the minor league system together. They were roommates in Palm Beach. He's former teammates with Paul Goldschmidt in Arizona. Nolan Arnauto in Colorado, Wilson Contreras in Chicago, and Lance Lynn, of course, in St. Louis. And he just really, to me, 
seems like that eager, very communicative, uh, very good at communication kind of guy that the Cardinals need. There was a big, not I don't want to say complaint, but desire from the a lot of veterans to have a staff that had more of a major league presence. Uh, next year, and I think Descalso fits that mold, not just because of his own playing career, but also what he's done with St. Louis and the relationships he has with players and the staff. So I really like this move for the Cardinals. I don't think adding to their coaching, so getting a bench coach that Ollie Marmel could really buy into early on, I think that was really important. Well, kind of playing off of that, just reading the article that you have about Descalso, he also mentioned to you in that that he said, I'm not going to be a yes man. We're going to have some good back and forth, some good baseball conversations. Why do you think it was important for him to mention that? I think because just knowing how Ollie works, I think Ollie works really well with a staff that isn't afraid to push back. And that's why him and Skip Schumacher got along so well in 2022, because Ollie, to his credit, doesn't shy away from criticism. I mean, you guys know this, you're in the clubhouse with him, you do pregame with him. And so, you know, he welcomes different ideas. And sometimes when you're stuck in a rut, it can be really easy for, for the staff to say, this is the manager, you know, all your call. But Ollie likes to really push back and have discussions. Descalso is a lot like Skip Schumacher in that regard. You know, they're friends, former teammates. I mean, Descalso reached out to Skip throughout this hiring process to kind of get his gauge on, on the position. So I think it'll work well because Descalso isn't afraid to say, hey, we're not looking at things this the right way. Let's look at it this way. And then you can have those healthy conversations from there. I'm not saying that's not what the staff had last year. I'm just saying I think a new fresh voice that is how Ollie works did well to still earn a spot there in the front office. But I think this could be really good both for Ollie and for, for Descalso because it kind of creates that that healthy communication that allows you to see things the other way if maybe you weren't originally inclined to. Katie, just going back to the offseason and the Cardinals' plans, it seemed like, at least to according to some reports, that the Cardinals were at least interested. There was some interest there with Yoshi Yamamoto. That seems to be completely out of the conversation and possibilities, right? Yeah, I would think so. And and it's not to just, you know, kill everyone's excitement on what I think is, is a surprising and, and positive morning, but I just didn't see the Cardinals outbidding all of the major markets because of the depth and volume in which they had to add to the rotation. If they were only looking to add one guy, I could see them being a little bit bigger of a play, but they had to add three. And, you know, I thought getting Gibson and Lynn for a combined $23 million, pretty good. Sonny Gray, 75 you know, I haven't done the AAV yet, a 25, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that's still, look at that math, you guys. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> You're almost, you almost reached character level math here, Katie. Yes. I am on it. I'm on it today. Um, I just think that, you know, they'll have to address the bullpen. They haven't really talked about making any position plan upgrades as of yet. But I just think that they because they had to add in bulk, it kind of just doesn't leave them enough money to go out and spend and get a Yamamoto type of guy. Would that be exciting? Absolutely. But be so unprecedented for them and to me this was the wrong kind of season for them to do that just because they had to add so many pitchers in volume okay uh we had kind of presumed here that to go get that number one guy that the cardinals would almost have to move dylan carlson based upon this move this morning i i kind of think that dylan carlson's going to be their dh do you oh good question randy um I'm not sure. I know that they would like to maybe rearrange their outfield a little bit. Of course, it got a little less congested with Juan Yepes um, being non-tendered to contract. But when talking to Mo at the GM meetings, you know, he was in agreement that 
there was a positional log jam, especially in the outfield, that kind of impacted the rest of play. Guys weren't able to play consistently. Everyone was playing in different spots, and that can be a little bit detrimental. Depth is usually a good thing, but in this case, there was too much depth in just one place, and it created a trickle-down effect. And I think the outfield, is, the Cardinals are kind of looking to alleviate some of that. So I would imagine, you know, Cardinals are entertaining t- trade talks for Tyler O'Neill. I still think Dylan Carlson would be in that just because he does have so much team control. He's a high ceiling kind of guy. I'm not sure if he necessarily fits on this Cardinals team going forward. I will say this, Randy, at the GM meetings, Mo said, you know, and this could change, but we asked him for his starting outfield, and he put uh, Lars Mupar in left, Tommy Edmond in center, and Jordan Walker in right. Mm-hmm. So, again, things could change, but right now it doesn't seem like Dylan Carlson is in their starting outfield plans which makes me feel a little bit more like he's more likely to be traded if the Cardinals decide to pursue that market. Did I see Dylan Carlson? I meant Nolan Gorman. Oh, Nolan Gorman? See, that makes he's more sense. DH. I'm sorry. I, I'm just an idiot. No, no, that one, I can be on board with that one. Nolan yeah. Gorman is the DH. So, I'm on board with yeah, that. Yeah, that outfield that you mentioned, and then presumably then Donovan at second, right? So it would be Arenado, Wynn, Donovan, Goldie, with Contreras mm-hmm. playing the plate, and Gorman is your DH. Yes, and then there's days where Contreras is going to DH and they're going to put Herrera in. I mean, there's a reason that they didn't tender Andrew Kisner a contract. They want Herrera to get some reps. So on days like that, you know, maybe against lefty starters, Gorman, Gorman sits. I'm sure that'll go over great on Twitter. But look at us, already piecing together the, the lineup for next well, year. I love that. And one other thing, by the way, because of me stupidly bringing up Carlson as a DH, if they could do, even now, after their signings, if they could do Carlson for Alec Manoa, I would do it yesterday. Oh, so would I. And I actually, before the Cardinals signed Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, thought they would make a play for Alec Manoa in the trade market. But you know what? Like I said, winter meetings are just a week away. Still a lot of work to be done, to quote John Zalak. So we'll see what the Cardinals do in, the, in regards to the trade market. But personally, I'm pretty excited for the fans who went out and, they, you know, the Cardinals did get their three starters. I thought that was a really hard task just to be able to do. So the fact that the Cardinals have done that this early, I think, is an encouraging sign for the state of the club next year. Katie Wu, it is indeed a sunny day. Way to start the interview. Uh, but <laughs> it's, thir- it's 32 degrees. How's everything in Northern California today? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I'm actually getting on a flight to St. Louis in a little bit. So thank you for that. I'll be sure to pack a, a jacket because I don't have one in California. Um, yeah, great day for me to be A, a sleepyhead, and B, on a plane. I'm doing great. Happy Monday, you guys. <laughs> is, it, uh, is it like 50, 55? Yeah, I would say it's like, let me look outside. I think it looks like 55 right okay. now. My parents have a thermostat. It, looks, it looks like 55 it here looks and it's 32. Like 55. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no like steam or anything coming off the ground. So it looks fine. <laughs> Safe travels, Katie Wu. Thanks so much for the time. Keep up the great work in the athletic. We always love it, and we'll see you soon. You got it, guys. Can't wait. Have a great week. You too. Take care. That's our friend Katie Wu from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. So let me All check. All right. The sun is shining here in St. Louis, oh, it's Randy. A, it's a sunny day. That was is well that, done on her part. Is that why you closed the blinds this morning? You don't uh, no, want to let the sun the, shine the in? The sun blinds Matthew, and I don't want to do that. You don't want it to be sunny in St. Louis? Uh, it's it's going to be sunny in St. Louis for the next three years. <laughs> but there, there you go. There, there may be a storm cloud or two. Oh, don't say that. Uh, it's, it, it's never, We've had enough of that. It never goes completely great. With free agent pitchers, does it? It never goes gray. It never goes gray. Oh, there you go. I, I like that. <laughs> We're okay. very punny this morning. We are so punny. Okay, San Francisco. I, I'm just telling you what uh, she's waking up. Is she up in with. San Diego or San Francisco? I think she's in San, San Francisco. Let's see. She's from San Diego. 
Let's see. It's 45 degrees. Oh, it's a little chilly. Okay, but it'll be warmer later in the day. Uh, Coming up here on 101 ESPN, uh, we're going to get a few more of your mic drops, and uh, we're going to talk about whether or not an old staff like the Cardinals will have has ever won a World Series. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I'm inclined to go bullpen just because Mo repeatedly said three starters, and at some point he said two and a half. Um, and he, but he never once said four. Now that doesn't mean it won't happen. I think the Cardinals are in one of the better positions to make a trade based on one, the ample depth they have both in their minor league system and with controllable talent on their major league roster. That's our friend Katie Wu from The Athletic, previously here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals uh, closing in on a deal for... Right-hander Sonny Gray, three years, $75 million, as reported by Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. And that would give the Cardinals a 34-year-old starter in Gray, a 35-year-old starter in Miles Michaelis, and a couple of 36s in Kyle Gibson and in uh, Lance Lynn. Now, I- I'm trying to find a staff as old as that to have won a World Series. I do have this one, Brooke. Mm-hmm. I have the 2000 Yankees. And I don't think the Cardinals will ever be confused with the 2000 Yankees. But uh, Roger Clemens was 37. David Cohn was 37. El Duque, Orlando Hernandez, was 34. And then uh, Denny Nagel was 31. And Andy Pettit was 28. So that was an older staff. But again, I don't think the Cardinals really have a Roger Clemens, who was 13 and 8 that year with a 3.70, uh, or a... Uh, even an El Duque on that on their staff. So I think it's going to be hard for us to find a team that has succeeded with this plan of attack that the Cardinals apparently are going to take into the 2024 season. That's to go with a, a, a rotation that is, from an athletic standpoint, pretty old. I would love to be 34 or 35 or 36 again, but I'm not pitching. <laughs> You're not pitching? No. Randy, I I am in my early 30s, and I'm already having a lot more aches and pains. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine pitching, but that's besides the point. My concern, as you mentioned there, with the age, and I, I hate to make it so much about that, but this is a team that is analytically driven, right? Mm-hmm. The Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I know that it may not run every little thing, but it seems like they are very analytically driven. What do the analytics you think show you, Randy, about pay- pitchers and how they perform in their mid to late 30s? There's a reason that guys beyond the age of 30 generally don't sign big money contracts. Usually 30 is a pretty strong indicator of a player because a player's in his prime analytically, from 28 to 32. And if you sign a guy that's 30 years old to a five-year contract, you're you're betting that after 32, he's probably going to regress a little bit. Mm. The Cardinals are giving contracts to guys that are beyond 34. Uh, in Gray's case, he'll be 34. Michaelis got the contract before last year with the full knowledge that he was going to be 35 and 36 in his two years, and obviously the one year plus an option for the two 36-year-olds. No, this is not something that... Uh, historically has worked analytically for franchises, or even without analytics. It was pretty clear and easy for teams to determine back in the mid-80s that you didn't want to load up a staff with guys in their mid-30s. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, these guys, I I don't know. Maybe these guys work out better and are just different, and the Cardinals 
did the deep dive into their physical attributes and determined, hey, you know what? These guys are going to be able to do it at that age. Wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that the Cardinals feel like they could do that. So I'm not going to say they can't. I'm just going to say they probably won't. <laughs> they probably won't. Mm-hmm. Some people are saying we're being a little too pessimistic this morning, Randy. Are, is there some sunshine and lollipops totally. in this? Yep, I think we need to just uh, we need to play the music. Yeah, here's, the th- here's what you got to look at. And I, I'm going to... Uh, there we go. I'm going to go sunshine lollipops for you, okay? Okay. And this is, can these particular athletes build upon or replicate what they did in 2023? Can Sonny Gray give 184 innings, strike out 183, and pitch to a 2.79 earned run average? If he can do that, I think the Cardinals and their fans would be very happy. Can Kyle Gibson in 2024 do what he did in 2023? Can he go 15-9 and with a 4.79, throw 192 innings uh, with 157 strikeouts, Maybe cut down on the league high 198 walks, but or 198 hits allowed. That'd but be great. Can, can he win 15 games for the Cardinals? Can Lance Lynn? And let's just isolate Lynn because we did throw out what happened with the White Sox. So let's just isolate on what Lance Lynn did with the Dodgers. Can the Cardinals get a prorated seven and two with a 4.35 out of Lance Lynn, or if we just want to take the whole season, can the Cardinals would the Cardinals accept 183 and two thirds innings from Lance Lynn, striking out 191 in those 183 and two thirds? High ERA though, if he's a back fourth or fifth guy and he's giving you those sorts of innings, yeah. So that's the sunshine lollipops. If those three can replicate what they did last year, then you have a chance to have a team that. Uh, is battling for a playoff spot. Yeah, that is fair. Somebody said from the three and four asking this question, catching issues, does the veteran staff mask over this? It does. It should. These guys are all guys that should be able to, uh, in theory, call their own games. And I don't know what Yachty's situation is going to be with the Cardinals or if that will benefit Wilson Contreras if Yachty is here. But there's definitely a need for better pitch selection from behind home plate for the Cardinals. And that's what kind of concerns me about this offseason trend that we have seen from the Cardinals here in recent years. We're still using the same formula, it seems like, mm-hmm. right? So last offseason, you go and get Wilson Contreras. They were very focused. They made it clear even during the summer of that year that they were focused on getting a catcher to replace Yadier Molina. Mm-hmm. It seems like they were so hyper-focused on that that – There was not even a bidding war for Wilson Contreras, and this is nothing against him. Once again, I feel like I always have to say that because we'll get people who text in to say, oh, you're trashing Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras, to me, was one of the most impressive players. I think his numbers came out to offensively exactly what you were hoping for for his position. But there were all those issues that you saw this season that were a giant distraction for the entire team. And my concern is is that you're having the same offseason approach where maybe there is a lot of questions. Maybe you were too hyper-focused on getting quantity mm-hmm. instead of quality of innings. Yeah. And, and I mean, I know that a lot of these pitchers are going to go quickly, but I was just hoping or expecting the Cardinals to be kind of aggressive in the ways of it. We're seeing the Cubs in the reports of all these pitchers that they're in the conversations with their approach. If you say you want to turn things around in 2024, which is what was said, then I expect you to not just only get guys who want to be here. Of course, we want guys who want to be there. But you're also going out there to guys that you know that can really, really turn things around 
in a quick fashion and saying, hey, maybe St. Louis isn't your first choice, but here's why. We see you being a critical part of this puzzle and you coming in really completes it. You have to go out there and get guys. You have to go out there and do the courting, not waiting for people to come to you. And that's exactly what has happened is the Cardinals have gone to people that were predisposed to wanting to be in St. Louis. Uh, Lance Lynn told A.J. Pruszynski, hey, I can sleep in my own bed at night. Kyle Gibson already lives here. So uh, Sonny Gray is closer to Nicheville. So, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Nicheville. Yeah, so, He's a Smyrna uh, so, guy. Now, can I give you one more Sunshine Lollipops? Sure. We already have Miles Michaelis, okay, and he's 6'5 and 230. Lance Lynn is 6'5 and 270. Kyle Gibson is 6'6 and 200. Cardinals aren't going to lose many fights. Oh, yeah. there you go. Those yep. are some big guys. Yep. And then you put Yachty on that bench for a, a time. Randy, you're reading my mind. Yachty's on the bench. Bring up the Dodgers. There's no way they're beating the Cardinals in a five-on-five basketball game. It's not happening. Oh, right. Good with Yachty yep. as the coach, yep. they're going to dominate yep. him, Randy. Well, <laughs> and here's the thing. With, with Yachty, as Adam Wainwright said, don't mess around with a guy that has neck tats. Just no, don't. absolutely not. So the, the Cardinals win the fights, at least. Giovanni Gallegos is very eager. Remember when he jumped over the fence? I, I think about that video all the time. It's great. And I know that the, it's it goes on social media all the time. It's, it's perfect for every situation put in there. It is. All right, we're going to head down the stretch with a little rock and roll next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Got the word just as we came on the air at 7 o'clock. John Heyman with the tweet that the Cardinals were expected to sign Sonny Gray. And now multiple reports out there. Ken Rosenthal saying that it's going to be a three-year deal for Gray with the Cardinals for $75 million. And, Brooke, here's my thing. I think Sonny Gray is fine. He's He had a great year last year, and I'm still one that believes in winning. I think winning is kind of important, and he was 8-8. Eight and eight. I think if the Cardinals stop where they are right now, they can go from 71 wins to 81 wins, maybe 82 or 83. Is it worth it to spend a record amount of payroll to get to 82 or 83 victories, which I think is reasonable to project. I I would be stunned if these five starters for the Cardinals if three of them would make 28 starts each, I would be stunned. So that's why I said I think the Cardinals are wasting money. They're, they're, they're spending money to get to 81, 82 wins. Now, mm-hmm. the Cardinals have won a World Series with 82 wins. But I don't expect these guys to be able to pitch well into October. It just doesn't happen with old folks. And these, all due respect, from a baseball perspective, these are old folks. What do you think the likelihood is that this will be the starting rotation going into the season for the Cardinals? If you had to put a percentage on it. I'm going to say that the five starters for opening day are on the roster. I'm going to say that that is 93.5% accurate. That there is a 6.5% chance that the Cardinals go out and make a move. But 93.5% that it's going to be Gray, Michaelis, Gibson, Lynn, and either Matz or Thompson. So then your average age is going to be around 35 for your starting rotation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit concerning, as you mentioned there, because statistically I wouldn't assume that that means that longevity would be something that could happen with the starting rotation. Brooke, even the 83 Phillies 
their their team nickname was the Wheeze Kids because they were so old. Even their rotation only had two guys over 30. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be hard for this group. And I know they'll be in great shape. I know they work hard. Well, Lance Lynn fat is better than Lance Lynn skinny. So let me leave that one out of there. <laughs> there but, you go. But I just think it's going to be very difficult for this group of starters to make enough starts to keep this team competitive. And then all of a sudden, you're in a position where you need to count on the Libertors and the Graceffos and the the McGreevies of the world. Maybe I guess when they were watching the World Series, I'm saying the Cardinals, they saw, what was it, 84 wins is what it took for the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. during the yep. regular season. They took that as like, okay, we just need to get to that range-ish. Hopefully. You know what would be great, though, is if the Cardinals could go out and get, like, that gallon guy that, that Arizona, oh, you, you know, if they could get him, yeah. get a guy like that. He's young yeah. and really good. Really young and really good. If you get a guy He's like in his that. prime that, years, right? Yeah, yeah. What do you think of that, Matthew? Oh, my gosh. I feel like it's going to be tricky. Uh, why, why would you ever trade a young pitcher with that much control? That's true. Who, who, <laughs> who would make who that would move? Who would do that? That's true. Who in the world would do that? 28 years old in his prime. Would have been nice to have. Yeah, would have. But we would have. We, we had ourselves. One other thing from Katie Wu's interview, by the way, it's going to be up um, in, in shortly, and you can find that on the Dobbs Tower and Auto Center's podcast on 101ESPN.com. One of the quotes she had that I thought is interesting, considering um, the wide spectrum of reaction we've got, this was Katie Wu earlier today with us. Not to just, you know, kill everyone's excitement on what I think is, is a surprising and, and positive morning, but... I just didn't see the Cardinals outbidding all of the major markets because of the depth and volume in which they had to add to the rotation. If they were only looking to add one guy, I could see them being a little bit bigger of a play, but they had to add three. That's, I think that you can't lose that context. You also can't lose the context of the difference between signing a guy to a 10-year contract and a three-year deal. There's a lot of people being like, if Yoshi comes in at 23 AAV, Cardinals fans should riot. And it's like, or or you can look at the difference between guaranteeing $230 million and guaranteeing $75 million. Yeah. Like, let's be a little, like, let's have some thoughts about this. That's a third of the money that yeah. you're literally signing off and saying, we will pay one way or another. There is a word, just do a, a Google search for nuance, N-U-A-N-C-E. Just do a, a Google <laughs> Google search for nuance definition because it doesn't all have to be black and white. Do I love this signing? No. Are there good elements to the signing? Yes. yes. You need guys like Sonny Gray to win. Mm-hmm. But my opinion, only, well, not only my opinion, but my opinion that I have is that Sonny Gray is not a front of the rotation guy, a guy that you want to start against Justin Steele, a guy that you want to start against uh, the, the best that baseball has to offer. You know, mm. so I'm just, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. And I played that clip exactly for a lot of the textures who are sending in things like the 217 who said, why not spend the $23 million they spent on Gibson and Lynn on Yamamoto? First of all, God bless the Cardinals for making the math that perfect, that if Yamamoto signs for 23 per, it's going to be exactly <laughs> lined up. But again, she said it right there. One guy uh, has never pitched in a five-man rotation before and is one guy, and the other two are good for 200 innings. And there's two of them. That's that's where that's the discrepancy. Why why 23 for two pitchers matters differently for 23 for one. I get you don't like it, but there's a reason why the calculus was done, and you can't argue with it. And uh, there's a lot to be said for one-year contracts, especially with an option. And the Cardinals may or may not have young pitching on the horizon. All of a sudden, if Graceffo does take that next step and McGreevy does take that next step, you aren't stuck with Lynn and. Kyle Gibson beyond this season. You might want to have them back. They might pitch so well that you you pick up the options. The Cardinals have given themselves a tremendous level of flexibility, which is also a good thing. All right. But I say trade, but you know, 
Trade uh, trade Gorman for Cease, and then so, you know get a big contract there. This will be I the topic be throughout the day. I think uh, I saw because I follow BK on Twitter. I think I saw that uh, they're going to be talking about this on on their show, right? Uh, and then in the afternoon, <laughs> I'm sure they'll be talking about it in the fast lane. Sunny Gray, Sunny comes home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sunny comes. We're going to play that song tomorrow. I'm glad you follow everybody here I on do. social media. I do. I even follow Rockio. And you said oh, I even follow you do that? Yeah, no, it's, uh, here's why the thing. Why do you do that? Like, uh, because I get good information. Like right, the other night, I'm at the Billiken game. I didn't even realize we had three sophomores and two freshmen on the floor. I see Matt, <laughs> Ro- Matthew Rocchio's tweet. He's right there. Yeah, right He's there all on in the, on the Billiken's action. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah but then he, uh, Travis walks by him after the win, and he doesn't even put out his hand to high five. He just has his head down. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird that they do that. Before yeah. the game. Oh yeah, it is. Do you it's, do you do it? No, I've I've tried to. I, I've taken a, a key from the other pros there. Um, mm-hmm. um, the post dispatch writer Stu Durando. Maybe just don't be sitting down there when yeah. they come through because well, the radio it's, guys it's, do it though. It's an awkward situation. That's different for them. Yeah, it is. They're calling the game. Nobody ever accused me of being a professional. I just it's 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 a. <laughs> It's an interesting tradition. I, I see why he does it, but yeah, I, I, like, I did it like once or twice, and I was like, wait a second, that is kind of weird. Feels isn't weird. It? It is yeah, no, that is, it is it a little feels odd. a little weird, a little awkward. Especially for a team that's not great. Oh. They aren't. They aren't. I don't think anybody will argue. Well, a one point win over Dartmouth is not exactly what you're looking you're for. You're telling me the, the seventh, the projected seventh seed in the Evil Eight is not a quality basketball program? Uh, maybe not one <laughs> you should be only be, be beating by one point and give up a, what, uh, an 8 0 run to start the second half. They're really smart. Yeah, they are. That's why you shouldn't count on them to be a good basketball team. Uh, great job today by our producer, audio, video engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun? I did. I how like about how you that? slide in how the video that? engineer. How about that? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. And uh, Kerry will be back tomorrow and tell us about his trip to see Wemby last night. That must have been fun. And he got to see the Red Hot Bronco- Broncos as well. Our thanks to Chris Kerber and to Katie Wu for joining us. And to all of you who sent in the mic drops, send those in throughout the course of the day. Sonny Gray, coming home. Sonny comes home. <laughs> uh, yeah, with a three-year, $75 million deal, reportedly, for the Cardinals. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.